You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all things related to Star Wars Episode 7, as well as Star Wars Rebels and spin-off films and all the exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Um, we've got a lot of you know news and rumors and all kinds of fun stuff to talk about today. Um, I'm your host, Kyle, and as always, I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Especially now, since we have a new Star Wars date, we can mark on our calendar and count the days off, too, which is October 3rd. <laughs> yes. We finally got a premiere date for Rebels. Yeah, we got a premiere date for Star Wars Rebels. But before we get into that, um, we've also got lots of juicy Episode 7, um, I guess you could say spoilers, but not any real big spoilers type stuff. Just uh, some some leaked uh, Stormtrooper helmets, some new story rumors, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, let's jump into that stuff. And uh, yeah, one of the biggest things that we've had uh, in the past couple weeks, um, and we talked about this in, on our last episode, that, um, at first it was just a, a sketch by artist Tom Hodges that showed uh, a possible design of the new Stormtrooper helmets for Episode 7. Um, but then we've had a couple more uh, images leak out since then on uh, IndieRevolver.com, which is this website that has suddenly popped up with you know, a whole bunch of new yeah. Star Wars rumors this week. I mean, this seems to be the uh, the rumor mill hub of the day. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of seems to go in bunches like this where, um, you know, one month we'll have a whole bunch of rumors from Latino Review and then one month it'll be a whole bunch from Jedi News or Ain't It Cool News or MakingStarWars.net or something like this. And now this Indie Revolver site has popped up out of nowhere. But first they posted a couple new images of... Uh, one that looks like a stormtrooper helmet and then one that they call a jungle trooper, I think. Um, or they say that, you know, according to their sources, that's what it's being referred to. But uh, pretty cool looking new design for, for the stormtrooper helmet. And then we got um, a later update that showed like an actual photo of this thing. The first image looked like it could have been a photo or maybe like some photorealistic concept art or, um, you know, like a, a concept painting or something. But the second one is definitely like a photograph of one of these helmets sitting on a table. And it looks like there's a bunch of them behind it. So it's probably, um, you know, something from the costume department where they produced a whole bunch of these things. Um, but Tim, I mean, what were your, your first reactions to seeing these helmets and the new designs? Yeah, so I made it no secret how much I'm looking forward to see the new Trooper designs for Episode 7. So when I first saw these, I was like, yeah, I'll just say it right now. I think they look great. I really like them. But at the same time, it's still where that thing where I, I really just want, can't wait to see that official first image of like the full helmet and the full suit to see how it all looks together. But just judging by these two helmets that came out, I think they look pretty cool. And I also like the fact, too, where at least what it looks like for Episode 7, we're not just going to have... Uh, one standard helmet for all the stormtroopers in the movie, kind of like how uh, it was in A New Hope and like in the Battle of Endor, you had the uh, stormtroopers and scouts and you had snowtroopers and Empire. So I'm glad they're kind of continuing where it looks like we're going to have two different designs because 
like you said, there's that Jungle Trooper one, which I've been hearing some kind of different reports on it as far as the name, where like it could be a Jungle Trooper or it's actually going to be kind of like a flamethrowing uh, Trooper, kind of what we saw in the Clone Wars and landing at Point Rain. So I think it's still a question where what kind of Trooper this actually is, but regardless, I think the helmet looks cool. It does have that little bit of a Snow Trooper look and also kind of those early Ralph McQuarrie designs. And also, too, because there were those rumors that we're hearing about previously where maybe some of the troopers were going to kind of be influenced a little bit by Darth Vader's helmet. And you can kind of get that feel a little bit with this one, how his uh, the top of his helmet kind of not exactly like Darth Vader's was, but you could kind of see a similarity there. So, again, that's another thing where we have to wait to see the official image on. But as far as the main Stormtrooper helmet, I really like it. It's not quite like the normal Stormtrooper ones that we saw in the original trilogy, but it still has uh, that feel where, yeah, you could definitely tell the Stormtrooper just looks updated since it is 30 years later, so it doesn't make sense that it is going to look different. But I do like that that sleek look. It has that uh, one central visor going around. And there's also, I believe they there's pretty much no vents on the front of it, but they're on the sides of the helmet, which looks to look different too, so... Yeah, I've been hoping for a great new design for this trilogy, and so far it's looking pretty cool. So let's keep it in the mold of cool trooper looks. We got the clones in the prequels, stormtroopers in the original trilogy, and now the episode seven trooper is looking pretty good. But still, I'm just going to be even more excited when we get either an official image or we're watching the teaser trailer for the first time and we see a bunch of troopers just maybe form a line and turn around or point a blaster at someone. Once we see that first image, I'm going to be blown away, especially seeing it in a trailer, man. But yeah, I'm real happy with them. And it's kind of cool how these are coming out because we had that first uh, sketch image, like you said, and then all the stuff's been coming out pretty much at a steady pace. So I don't know, it just raises the question whether... Something happened at Lucasfilm where someone was leaking out all this stuff, or I know I've heard reports, oh, maybe this is all part of Lucasfilm's plan, but <laughs> kind of like how those rumors started about the Abu Dhabi side images, oh, they wanted it to happen. I've been hearing about these two, but regardless, I'm just glad we're getting a sneak peek at them, and I'm happy with the results. Yeah, well, one thing I heard is that uh, there may have been some layoffs on the production, and that yeah. could have resulted in some of this because then you know the the employees that got laid off are suddenly like, well, if I post these images online, they can't fire me because I don't work there anymore. So what are you going to do about it? Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the the stormtrooper helmet designs, I like the the new design of like the main trooper helmet. I guess I I mean right from the get go, I thought it looked pretty cool, but I maybe wasn't quite sure about it just because I don't know if you had this reaction, but I, I guess my only complaint or maybe, um, you know, thing that I'm maybe a little bit hesitant about or something is that it looks kind of almost sporty in a way because it's so sort of sleek looking and has, yeah, I um, I mean, it, it's a lot more sort of smooth and rounded and has like some angular little lines, like those vents you were talking about. They're sort of angled back and almost look like stripes or something. Um, so on the one hand I was like, well, this, might look a little bit too sporty. Like even though this dove does definitely look like a stormtrooper helmet, it also looks like it could be some sort of futuristic, like motorcycle helmet or football helmet or something like that. Um, but at the same time, it does look really cool. It definitely, um, you know, still looks like a stormtrooper and at the same time looks new and updated. And even looking at it now, I mean, I saw these images when they first came out and, uh, you know, saw them over the next few days or whatever, but I hadn't really looked at it for, I don't know, maybe a week or so. And now that I'm going back and looking at these again, um, I, I'm not even kind of having those same, 
the trepidations, I guess, that I was the first time around. So I guess, you know, maybe it's growing on me. But at the same time, like you said, I'm just waiting to see the the full image. Because even if I wasn't sure about this picture of just the helmet, I was like, I'm sure when we see the design of the full costume and we actually see these guys, like, I mean, like you said, in action in the movie or in a trailer or in an official still shot or something like that. Um, then once you get the full picture, I'm sure it's going to look even better, but it is, like I said, a, a cool new design. Um, and you know, it looks like a pretty cool way to update it and, you know, make it more sort of sleek and futuristic looking. Um, and then as for that second helmet, the, the jungle trooper or whatever, um, I mean, I, I guess I'm not crazy about it, but at the same time, I mean, I think it looks good. I, I just wasn't like, oh, wow, that's really cool. To me, it just, it looks like Star Wars. Like, it looks like it fits yeah. perfectly within the universe. And so um, it's certainly not something that I would ever, like, spend a bunch of money to put my own set of that together and, you know, go in, like, join the 501st as, as one of these troopers. Because, um, you know, it's not that, like, standout awesome to me, but it's like, okay, if these guys are going to be in the movie, I could totally buy into that. They look like they would fit as part of some sort of Imperial unit. Um, and interestingly enough, I, I was trying to figure out what sort of trooper from the original trilogy these guys reminded me of because it just got like this one real thin eye slit going under the that sort of flared out dome that you were talking about um and i'm like it doesn't actually look like a trooper helmet from the original trilogy it looks like they modeled a trooper helmet after the head of an AT-AT, um or at least just that mask part because that little thin visor yeah. kind of looks like you know the the front window that they've got on the front of a uh, imperial walker so um yeah definitely keeps in line with that, uh, you know, the Imperial sort of look and aesthetic that they've established throughout the saga. So, I mean, yeah, both of these designs look good, look like they would fit well within the movie. And, uh, I mean, I'm in the same boat with you where you're talking about how you're just excited to see more, um, you know, new designs and stuff. And I'm sure there's going to be more besides just this that we're going to get to see in the movie. And there's still been some rumors about, like, there still might be some sort of special ops troopers or something that have, like, black and chrome armor. Yeah. Um, and I even heard one rumor saying that the that chrome armor is supposed to be for, like, it allows them to cloak or turn invisible or something like that. So I'm like, that could be really cool to see. That would be really cool, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this obviously is something to just sort of uh, whet the appetite and get you excited to think about, like, what other kind of trooper designs we could see in the movie because obviously i mean aside from the first star wars i guess um we've, we've seen you know several different variations of these kind of armors throughout the movies and even in the first star wars you had stormtroopers and sand troopers and tie fighter pilots and then they just added more on from that so um it should definitely be cool to see a, a good variety of uh different you know cool new armors in the imperial ranks or whatever the new sort of villainous faction is going to be in this movie but it, it seems like obviously it is going to have at least some ties to the empire because they're still using stormtrooper helmets so um that is some cool stuff yeah um, and also too um i was thinking about how there's that rumor of how john boyega's character might be an imperial stormtrooper or some type of trooper and it makes you wonder if like what type of uh armor is he going to be wearing the standard stormtrooper helmets that we're seeing or is it going to be like that jungle trooper or is he going to have like his own unique one maybe he'll be part of the like chrome armors or those uh cloaking ones that you're talking about too that kind of just raises like, those speculation thoughts also like well which one is he going to have if those rumors end up being true or he is like an imperial stormtrooper or something like that yeah i don't know well i mean just based on some of the other rumors that we've heard 
um, you know, about Gwendolyn Christie possibly being like his imperial commander and wanting to go hunt him down or something. Um, I would probably guess, and this was, I mean, this is totally just based on my own assumption. It's like, if he's going to be the main character of the movie and there's this whole subplot involving his imperial commander hunting him in the middle of whatever other stuff is going on, um, that at least to me would seem to imply that he maybe was some sort of, you know, maybe a little bit higher rank or part of some elite ops unit or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or at least maybe like a, a, maybe a junior officer or something rather than just like a standard stormtrooper grunt. Um, because even though, I mean, even though one of those guys could turn out to be important too, just, I mean, when you look back on the stories we've seen in star Wars so far, even though we know the stormtroopers are people, um, and they're not even clones, they're like citizens that have been listed in the Empire, they're still sort of always depicted as like the faceless grunts. You know, we've never seen a stormtrooper with his helmet off. Um, we've seen clone troopers with their helmets off, but the stormtroopers are always just sort of there to be like the cannon fodder and the just sort of the presence of the Empire, I guess. And so um, it would be, I mean, it could be weird or it could be an interesting twist to have the the main character of Episode Seven just be a, a regular sort of standard stormtrooper who turns against the empire. But, um, I, I guess my gut instinct would be to guess that he's probably going to be a little bit more significant than that, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. And I just like the fact too, I really hope that rumor does end up being true. Just, just to have the fact of a main character being a stormtrooper for a little while anyway, but I'm kind of hoping maybe it's something he'll like carry on, like at least have the armor <laughs> where he has to go into battle. Maybe he does keep the helmet up. Because I was, I remember uh, with Star Wars Rebels, where before all the characters got introduced, that was kind of a little description of how Ezra was, where because he had that trooper helmet. When we saw those first Lego images, I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to have someone who's like part of the Empire, but then leaves, but still takes like some of the armor that he wears for battle. I just like that idea. So that uh, John Boyega's character does have that story, a background of him being a trooper. I'm hoping it does uh, involve where he keeps his armor and wears it maybe for certain battle situations. Cause I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. I mean, especially if he does end up being a Jedi, then it would be like, uh, you know, Obi-Wan in the clone Wars yeah. <laughs> using his lightsaber on Mandalore in Mandalorian armor. Yeah, that would be awesome. Or <laughs> even the micro series where he's fighting Dirge <laughs> is a clone trooper gear. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So but, that'd be cool to see. But um, I know the, reactions for these images that came out have been a little mixed as far as what they think of the de designs. I know it's got its fair share of criticism, and also with two of them think it's looking really cool and a nice update to it. But it's been a lot of comparisons to like different types of objects and just armors in general. Cause uh, I know we got an email from one of our listeners named Adrian. He says that, uh, is it just me or does the new stormtrooper helmets remind you of Tron or the Daft Punk troopers from Comic-Con? Just saying. <laughs> so it's like, we get people taking these different things where you could kind of make these comparisons. And I, I even, I saw this too when I first looked at the helmet, the one where it looks like it's an actual helmet where there's a row of them on a table. And it kind of gives a, if you look at the bottom of it, it kind of reminds you of like a Nike sneaker or something like that, or like a sports wearing shoe. And I saw an image, someone did a comparison image where they're like side by side. It's like, yeah, I can kind of uh -huh. see that. So it's just funny how this design, even though it definitely looks like a Stormtrooper helmet, there's all these comparisons to other different things that, uh, I guess you, that's been around where you can kind of look similar to that. So it's just, I just find it interesting how a lot of fans could just look at this helmet and know it's a stormtrooper, but then it branches off to this whole wide speculations of stuff of where you think it came from. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, like like I said, it's really going to depend on um, how we see the final thing. I mean, once we see exactly. images of these troopers in full gear and you know in the the Star Wars environment and in the story and everything, um, I, I think it's all going to come together nicely and, and really fit. But I mean, so far, just from from what we've seen, these look like some pretty cool new designs. Um, but aside from that, we, we also have quite a few bits of, of story rumor to delve into. Um, and I guess I'll just go ahead and read this. First, we've got a post from Latino Review where they kind of run down a whole bunch of rumors. Um, and, you know, some of this stuff could be considered spoilers. So if you're trying to completely avoid spoilers, turn away. But then again, if you're trying to completely avoid Star Wars Episode Seven spoilers, you're probably not listening to this podcast anyways. Um, cause like, I mean, I've talked about before how I try to avoid spoilers as far as actual big story spoilers and not wanting to know what's going to happen in the story and, you know, spoil any big surprises. But these days when all these rumors are coming out, um, you know, people will label anything as spoilers. And a lot of times I'll run stuff by Tim first and, you know, Tim will read it and post it on Twitter and I'll be like, okay, how spoilerish is this actually? Yeah. <laughs> like, would I know this ahead of time? going into the movie just from from trailers and stuff so so there will be a time maybe as we're getting closer to the release where i might not even look at something <laughs> yeah well in that case you know maybe we'll just put the podcast on hiatus for a couple months and be like we'll be back after we've seen the movie so we don't spoil ourselves and spoil you guys um i'll probably cave and look anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we'll there will see. be a period though where i'll try not to <laughs> yeah we'll see as we get closer to that but for now none of this stuff is too spoilerish, but um some of it could be um, so, I mean, first of all, they're talking about um, the the whole stormtrooper thing with uh, you know John Boyega being a past stormtrooper and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read this because there's so much stuff in here I don't even remember everything. But um, so they say to catch you up on what we think we know about Episode Seven's plot thus far: Luke's lightsaber and maybe hand, but probably not. Crash lands on a planet, leading Daisy Ridley and John Boyega on a search for Luke, which leads them to Han and Chewie, who aren't in the Millennium Falcon because Oscar Isaac's has it. The party is looking for Luke, who has been MIA since Return of the Jedi, but Luke isn't hiding. Luke is a captive. Let's push our understanding past the first act and into the second act of the story. What we've been circling around are the villains of the piece, occasionally coming up with buzzing from the set about bounty hunters or Sith witches, and those aren't entirely inaccurate, but the truth is much more inquisitive. Dun-dun-dun, and they have a picture of the Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels. Oh, you guys are so clever. Uh, the Inquisitors are the villains of Star Wars Episode Seven, and the name of the main villain in Star Wars Rebels. They seem to be loosely based on the now-deleted Expanded Universe Inquisitors, mixed with the hardened the hardened Sith look of Rebels' villain. The Inquisitors are defenders of the Sith Order, and they've been around for a long time. Just how long is what turns Episode Seven's story on its head? Get out now if you don't want the big spoiler. Okay, onward. When our heroes find Luke and the Inquisitors are revealed, Luke's explanation of the history of this order is going to trigger a flashback to explain that the Inquisitors have been tied into the Sith all along. Remember when we broke Billy Lord's casting, Lord is the biological daughter of Carrie Fisher. That's not so she can play a solo kid, it's so she can play a much younger Princess Leia than we've ever seen before in this flashback. Um, and I'm not even going to put in the dumb joke they listed after that. Um... <laughs> I'd love to hear you give that laugh they put in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try that because it's not that funny. 
Uh, and then they said, but a young Princess Leia is not all this flashback reveals. The Inquisitors will be seen serving Darth Vader in a flashback. Yes, Darth Vader will be seen on screen briefly in Star Wars Episode Seven. We're not done with the Prince with the Dark Prince of the Sith quite yet. That's all for now, but it's now exceedingly clear that the sequel trilogy requires a retroactive continuity adjustment of the other two tri trilogies, and Rebels um, is going to end up being much more important than we anticipated. Um, and then... Yeah, there's more on Rebels and the big picture this evening for your normally st scheduled Star Wars 7 column. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it from them. And then... Um, before we go into, you know, sort of analyzing all this, um, just another thing to add on to it, uh, this is probably like within the next couple days, we got another, um, you know, more from Indie Revolver, um, and they actually had a concept art image of a villain who we think is going to be, you know, the main Inquisitor for Episode 7, um, holding Darth Vader's mask. And the description they've got here for the Inquisitor... Um, here, I'll just read this this article from uh, India Revolver 2. It's kind of short, but... It says, A lot of information and images related to Star Wars Episode Seven are coming to light this week, and we've just got one more treat for you to enjoy, enjoy over the weekend. We're headed into definite spoiler territory, so be warned. If you don't want to know, now's your chance to turn back. Um, da, 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 da. they'd mention the Latino Review article, and then they say, it's true that the main villain of Episode 7 is a Sith Inquisitor. He's tall, thin, and terrifyingly creepy, with glowing red eyes to match his red lightsaber. He's got some robotic upgrades like Vader, but no mask. The cybernetic bits weave in and out of him. He's got a human upper lip, a steel jaw, and the robotic hand that J.J. Abrams posted an image of. As the Latino Review mentioned, we'll see flashbacks in this movie, which will show us Princess Leia as a young girl and Vader's involvement with the Sith during his prime. This Inquisitor has a fascination with Vader through the movie's timeline as well, though, and just look how he stares at Vader's shattered helmet in this image. So, um, yeah, and then they've, they've got that uh, picture of concept art, and... Um, so, I don't know, Tim, what, where do you want to start uh, dissecting all this stuff? Because this is kind of a lot to, to bite off here. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just the fact that it looks like we might be seeing the Inquisitors as the villains for Episode Seven, and this isn't something that's entirely new. That Latina review review broke. I remember hearing this rumor and speculation a few months ago when, like you mentioned in the article, where it could be Sith witches or this like a uh, group of uh, Sith like uh, followers who are trying to revive the. Uh, Sith Order, I think they were called the Jedi Hunters. There was that report. So it's probably all those all those different re reports we're hearing is going to be this villain or villains. And hearing more of that, it's the Inquisitors. And I have to say, I like it if it is end up being the Inquisitors. Because I just like the idea of tying it to Rebels. And maybe it's not going to be the same Inquisitor that we see in Rebels. But maybe we'll get different looks at different types of Inquisitors in Rebels. Or maybe in other stories down the line before Episode 7. And then there ends up being this... Uh, still like an organization of them. And as far as that image goes, as far as that being the main Inquisitor, I really like how it looks. Like it's described on the Indie Revolver, just a real creepy-looking villain that we haven't seen too much in Star Wars. Like half cybernetic face. It looks like it's also an alien species in there. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, but it looks alien to me. And just the idea of him holding, that image of him holding the Vader, crack Vader helmet looks really cool. I just like the whole idea of him being obsessed 
not just with the Sith, but I'm hoping it's Darth Vader in general. This even like being a Sith legend, and these Inquisitors are really wanting to. I don't want to say revive them because I don't think they're going to go that route, but just I guess honoring the legacy of Darth Vader and maybe uh, Emperor Palpatine. I think that could be really cool. So I'm kind of hoping the idea that it's the Inquisitors is true, just so it can have a nice connection to Rebels, and maybe Rebels will drop little hints for Episode Seven down the line in future episodes regarding the Inquisitor, and just have that nice connection to it since it's all part of the same canon now, everything going forward. So it'd just be having like that nice symmetry there between Rebels and Episode Seven. So. I'm really happy with this rumor if it ends up being true and kind of it's getting more traction than some of the other reports we've been hearing. So it looks like this may be the case as far as uh, the villain or villains being the Inquisitors. So uh, sign me up for being uh, <laughs> one who's looking forward to this plot point playing out. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I think back when we first covered some of these uh villain rumors way back when and we're talking about the inquisitors and the sith witches and stuff i mean i i think i said back then that the jedi hunters slash sith inquisitors were probably my favorite um you know potential villain for the film so i mean like you if that is the way they're going with it i i think that should be pretty cool i mean that image of the inquisitor definitely looks creepy and uh you know, a, a totally different take on a cyborg than we've seen in Star Wars before, because we've seen Darth Vader, we've seen General Grievous. And I mean, just when I was reading the description on that, uh, like that description that they had on that article, um, where they were talking about the, how he's got like the upper lip that's human and the steel lower jaw and the bits that weave in and out of him and stuff. I mean, kind of the first image that popped into my mind was Darth Malak from Knights of the Old Republic, where he's just got like, you know, he's a big, tall, bald guy with just a big metal lower jaw. Um, and I was like, oh, well, it would be cool to see something like that. But then once I saw the, the actual picture of it, I was like, okay, that is totally different from what I was picturing. <laughs> um, and, of course, we don't know how close this, you know, original concept art yeah. is to how the actual, des- you know, the finished design of the character turns out in the movie. But, um, I mean, if, if it's anything like this, yeah, it'll definitely be something new, something creepy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how that plays out. And also, I mean, the tie in with Vader, I'm not sure how I feel about the flashbacks and I'm not sure if that's true or not. I mean, even with Carrie Fisher's daughter playing a part, um, and, and she actually, they've got a picture here of Carrie Fisher with her daughter, Billy. And I mean, she definitely looks like she could, uh, pull off a young princess Leia, also, I'm not sure how old she is, but they say, I mean, in this Latino Review article, they say, oh, it's going to be a flashback and we're going to see a much younger Leia than we've ever seen before. And I'm like, she doesn't look that much younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, even if she looks older than she is, I, I still doubt she's older than like 14 uh, or younger than like 14. I mean, so, and you know, Carrie Fisher was what, 19 when they filmed the first star Wars. So it could be a younger version of Leia, but I doubt it's going to be like a nine-year-old Leia. Um, so, and you know, again, I, I'm not crazy about the idea of flashbacks just because that's something we've never really, um, well, I was going to say we've never seen before in Star Wars, and then I realized we did see that one scene in Night Sisters in the Clone Wars where they sort of showed uh, Ventress's origin. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they can make it work, then great. Um, you know, I, I have the utmost faith in J.J. Abrams and all the people working at Lucasfilm. So, 
Um, you know, it, it might not be the first thing that I would do with it, but if they are going to go that route, I'm sure they're going to, you know, make it good and make it believable. Um, and then as far as the Inquisitor and sort of tying into Rebels and all that, I think that'll be pretty cool to see, but I don't think it's going to be a tie-in just with Rebels. I mean, with this specific character, it could be, um, you know, that that's sort of where they're drawing from. But I actually, I, I read another article, I think it was maybe on ScreenRant.com recently, about the sort of Lucasfilm's plans for this big integrated Star Wars universe going forward and how they're sort of doing the same thing that Marvel is doing where, um, you know, you've got all these interweaving spin-off films and main big event films and then of course with Star Wars there's going to be the comics and the novels and the video games and all that kind of stuff um and so we could potentially see I mean there could be Inquisitors in this movie that are from the same bunch as the Inquisitor in Star Wars Rebels but then they could also start adding in Inquisitors in other future Star Wars stories that take place in between episodes three and four or if they go and go back and do any more stories that sort of fill in gaps in the prequel trilogy um you know they, they could sort of try to establish this as something that's been part of the star wars universe all along and see that would be the thing for me like if they were going to do flashbacks that would sort of be my assumption that um you know they're, they're trying to establish these inquisitors as oh yeah these guys have been here all along and look like these guys are part of the star wars universe and the star wars mythology and they were there during the original trilogy and you just didn't know mm -hmm. so again that could be one that, one of those things that could be really interesting to see if they pull it off right and i hope it doesn't just feel you know sort of forced in like oh we came up with this new cool villain and we want to say that he was hiding in the shadows the whole time so flashback um, you know, but if they can, if they can pull it off well and tell a, a good believable story and make a believable character who, you know, you really can buy into the fact that these guys have been sort of working for the empire and the Sith in secret this whole time, then that could be really cool to see. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited by the possibilities of all this. I, I wouldn't say there's anything that I'm like, oh yes, definitely. I hope they go with that. And there's also not anything um, you know, kind of like you with the Obi-Wan's daughter rumor, which yeah. we haven't heard anything about in a while. So, Thankfully, you know, maybe, yes. <laughs> maybe that's died down. But, you know, I, I haven't, at least out of this bunch of recent rumors, there was nothing in there that made me go, oh, man, I really hope they don't go with that. So, um, yeah, at least all the rumors are starting to to sound more sensible these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, like you said, some of these are starting to gain traction where – even though there's still rumors, even though nothing's confirmed at this point, um, the the more times we hear certain things or, you know, hear about certain elements or whatever, the more I'm like, okay, that probably has some bit of truth to it. I mean, I'm a big believer in the, the sort of theory or whatever, I guess, that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like, these are all coming from somewhere. Yeah. And when you hear just some ridiculous rumor out there, um, you know, somebody could have misheard something. They could have read something wrong. It could be somebody just trying to start trouble on the internet and, you know, see if they can get people to buy into a fake story. But once you hear certain things repeated two or three times, and, you know, even though these guys are saying like, oh, I have my own sources and I can't confirm this or that, but we're hearing that this or that's going to happen. It's like, well, you're either all, you know, falling for the same 
you know, misleading bit of information and just sort of running with it and building it up. And we're going to find out that, you know, none of it was true in the first place or the fact that it keeps popping up means that there's some bit of truth to it. Um, so, you know, the, the thing that Luke's lightsaber is going to be something that starts this adventure off. Um, I'm like, okay, I could see that happening. I still don't know if I want to see it falling from space after the title crawl, but if Luke has gone missing and, uh, you know, the, the new characters find his lightsaber and that's what makes them want to go sort of find him and find out more about the Jedi, that could be cool to see. Um, and if we do have villains that are these Sith Inquisitor Jedi hunters that, you know, have been um, sort of trying to restore the glory of the Sith and, uh, you know, are sort of bent on um, living up to Vader and Palpatine's legacy and they want to reclaim Vader's old armor and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I could be okay with that. And, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see that happening because we've heard it so many times. So, yeah, I think the the rumors are all start, starting to form a little bit more of a clear picture at this point. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, though, like I said, the we still can't confirm any of these and I'm sure there's still, you know, there are going to be tons of surprises and stuff in the movie that nobody saw coming, or at least that haven't been leaked or spoiled yet. But at you least, know, you know, it, nothing is so like scattered and all over the place anymore. It's like, we're, we're starting to kind of zero in a little bit on what this movie is going to be about. It's funny you say that about the big surprises because a lot of different like Star Wars websites and people that have their sources keep saying they know stuff that they're not revealing yet. And they're just like saying, wait till you see the movie or when you find out what stuff hasn't been leaked out yet, it's going to blow your mind. So there's just when I heard you say that, like, yeah, there's so much more stuff we don't know about this movie yet. And hopefully <laughs> we won't find out until we're actually sitting in the theater and experiencing it for the first time to see these big surprises. But yeah, there's so much in store for us that this is just the tip of the iceberg. But I just wanted to go back real quick on the whole flashback thing. Um, this is something I know is causing a lot of, discussion and a little bit of debate online as far as if episode seven is going to have flashbacks because um just recently a lot of people have been pointing to uh it was at comic-con where pablo hidalgo said that uh they were talking about flashbacks and how there's never been really flashbacks done in star wars and how it's there's not going to be any flashbacks in rebels and a lot of i've seen people take that as saying oh that means no star wars from here on out is going to have flashbacks but he was really just talking about rebels there but for me personally, I'm actually hoping to see a flashback. I think it would be some kind of cool and different for Star Wars. It, yeah, it is something we haven't seen before, but I think this is something that can maybe set this movie and maybe this trilogy apart from the rest where we get a little bit of flashbacks. Nothing a lot, but like how it's described in the article where we just see the history of the Sith Inquisitors and maybe get a little sneak peek at Darth Vader in, in the past, which I won't complain about seeing Darth Vader again in that capacity if it's in a flashback or just maybe even a force vision. Maybe the Inquisitors are uh, showing this like their history through a force vision to Luke or maybe Leia since she's rumored to be in that flashback sequence, which kind of like you, um, I'm not sure about just yet um, because I don't know if they'd really want to do that because I just have a feeling if she is a flashback, if she is in there, it's going to be something really quick and short. Maybe it's like she'll just turn her face or you'll see in the background or something for like a few seconds and that'll be it. And then I just think, why would they really want to have it cast someone just for that small little sequence there? Or you can make the argument too, maybe they're just doing it as maybe as a fun thing since it is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Why not just put her in there and have her say that it's Princess Leia? But I don't know. We'll see if it ends up being true. I just kind of having a feeling because there was a sequence in uh, the novel, uh, 
Darth Vader, Dark Lord, where um, I can't remember if he was in the exact same room, but he was meeting and talking with Bail Organa, and Prince and Leia came up. I don't know if she was actually there or her name came up in conversation. I think if I remember correctly, she was there, but Darth Vader still didn't know that that was her daughter. So maybe there's going to be something like that where they're in the same room somehow and she just happens to be in the background or something. Who knows how it'll play out. But I just like the idea of, of the flashback happening, just kind of getting maybe some new history to the Star Wars saga that we've never known about before. And it'd be kind of cool to have it told to us through a flashback sequence. So we'll see if it's in there, but I'm kind of... I don't say I was really negative on the idea of flashbacks, but I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know if we'll ever see that. But now I'm really kind of getting the attitude where, yeah, I kind of want to see a flashback now, just to have it be something different and maybe uh, show us some, like I said, some cool new uh, stuff we never know about in the history of Star Wars. So I'm kind of hoping now we definitely get to see some flashbacks in Episode Seven. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I think it could work for explaining the history of these Sith Inquisitors, if they're going to try to establish it in the story that these guys have been there all along. But I also have to agree with, you know, what you were saying about Leia being involved. And I I was sort of wondering, like, how exactly is she going to tie into that? Because, you know, it's not like people are going to go, oh, cool, it's a, you know, cameo from Princess Leia, because, I mean, she's still around and we're going to be seeing her the whole rest of the movie anyways. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know. It, it would be uh, it'd be interesting to see if that ends up being true, you know, if we do really see her in the flashback. But I can't imagine her playing that big of a role in yeah. it. And if she's not playing that big of a role in it, then again, it's like, well, why do you need to have just like a little cameo appearance when she's already in the movie anyways? But I don't know. Maybe I, I'm sure like if that does end up being true, they'll probably surprise us maybe – you know, part of the big surprise that they're not telling us yet is that, um, you know, maybe these Inquisitors are also going to be tied into Leia's backstory somehow. I don't know. Maybe she's yeah. been possessed by a Sith witch who's been controlling her ever <laughs> since between episodes three and four. I don't know. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty ridiculous. But I mean, there's, you know, lots of other possibilities. And so if they do end up working that in there, I'm sure they'll um, find a way to make it work out. So what I'm kind of hoping how the flashbacks play out is where, like the Sith Inquisitors or the main Inquisitor villain in Episode 7 is telling someone, whether it's Luke or Leia, like they're narrating the flashbacks and all we hear is their voice telling the story. And maybe we'll see Darth Vader and a younger Princess Leia, but they won't say any di- won't have any dialogue or anything. We'll just see him and the villain is giving the narration and telling you the history. That's the kind of flashback I'd prefer instead of something where like the movie goes back in time and then we're seeing part of the movie take place like a few years earlier, kind of the example I'll give, I guess, is Batman Begins, how the movie jumps from the present and it goes back to the past. And you're, that's how you're seeing a good portion of the movie that way. I'm kind of hoping like a, it's the opposite, like I said, where it's kind of a narration, the storytelling flashback where you're seeing familiar characters, but you don't necessarily hear them speak. I think that's kind of the one that would probably work best, at least in my opinion, it would, since everyone is <laughs> kind of showing a little bit of concern or nervousness of how flashback will work in the star Wars movie. So I think if they are going to do it, that'd probably be the best way to go. Oh yeah. And I completely agree with you on that. Um, I mean, that was what I was picturing all along. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any sort of jumping timelines or anything like that. Um, except instead of having the villain narrate it to Luke, I was more picturing, you know, maybe Luke's been missing for a while. And so the, you know, the rest of the characters go out to try to find him. And then once they do find him, um, you know, I mean, maybe sometime in between episode six and seven, Luke 
caught wind of the fact that, you know, there might be more Sith out there or there were these Inquisitors and he went to try to find out more about them and then they captured him and he disappeared. And so now these guys are out looking for Luke and when they finally find him, then he explains everything that he's learned about the Jedi Hunters. Um, and maybe, yeah. you know, through the first half of the film, they just established like this mysterious, creepy villain that nobody really knows who he is or what he is or, you know, how powerful he is or anything like that. And then they go find Luke and Luke's like, oh yeah, okay, here's the deal. Like this guy served Darth Vader and he's part of the whole order of Jedi hunters who served under Darth Vader. And, you know, and then as he's giving this whole big expository explanation for the whole thing, um, instead of just, showing Luke sitting there talking the whole time, then yeah, they, they show some images to go along with it and show, uh, you know, a flashback of these guys working for Vader or whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, again, I don't know. We'll, time will tell when we finally see the movie, we'll see how much of this ends up being true, but, uh, definitely some pretty interesting sounding stuff. Yeah. When we're in the movies sitting in the theater and we see a flashback, we'll have flashbacks of ourselves remembering the time where we're discussing are we going to see flashbacks in the movie how they're going to be handled <laughs> yeah that would be weird because if, if a flashback within a flashback is flashbackception what do you yeah. call it when a flashback triggers a flashback about the flashback yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to weird paradoxes here <laughs> Yeah, but um, and so so those are some of the story rumors, and then we've got um, another article from MakingStarWars.net where they sort of added on to some previous rumors, came out with a few new rumors, um, and they they've got sort of like five bullet points listed here, and um, again this is you know them saying like one unnamed source wrote in and told us this and I can't verify it, but I've heard some of these same things from other sources. So I'm going to go ahead and share it. So, um, they say, first of all, regarding, you know, Luke's disappearance, they say the, the idea that Luke disappeared immediately after Endor isn't entirely true. He had a good 10 to 20 years after return of the Jedi ended. And when the movie starts, he's been missing for around 10 years. Now, we've been hearing a bunch of rumors that Luke has been missing since Return of the Jedi. I never bought into that, and this, to me, sounds a whole lot better. Um, and I was thinking, you know, especially if there are going to be more Jedi characters in this movie, I'm like, I would really like to see that Luke actually kind of got to start a new Jedi Order and has, um, you know, maybe at least a f handful of, um, you know, Jedi that he's trained and but now, you know, he's gone off missing and he's been gone for a few years or something. And now some sort of some of these new people are trying to find out what happened to him. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely like this idea better that, um, you know, he, he had time to do his thing, establish Jedi or help the rebellion or whatever he did for, you know, those 10 or 20 years and that he's been missing for 10 years instead of the whole 30. That sounds a lot more plausible to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do you uh, have any thoughts on that one? It's pretty much in agreement with you. Yeah. Cause I didn't want it to be where right after the battle of Endor, after the Ewok celebration, Luke goes away again and <laughs> no one hears from him for another 30 years. So yeah, I know I said this in the past too. I'm hoping they had a, at least a good amount of time where it was peace in the galaxy and they were able maybe to relax a bit <laughs> after defeating the empire. So yeah, if it's like uh, maybe 10 years, uh, he's been missing and not the full 30, that's something, yeah, I think works a lot better. So just, so Luke didn't automatically be gone for those 30 years and then no one's heard from him there. And it's just 
took him that long maybe to try to find him or to because we don't know how the story is going to play out as far as uh, we have rumors of what's going to trigger the search room but to be 30 years and then for not really to find him or do anything about it just seems a little bit too much of a stretch so yeah i definitely agree with you that the whole bit missing for 10 years sounds a lot better yeah it's like why do they even wait 30 years to yeah. start looking for him? and i mean even in that case like even 10 years seems like a long time so you know maybe it'll be even less than that but who knows um so that's one thing and then they also say there's a possible count dooku connection here um, it says, back when Benedict Cumberbatch was a rumored addition to the cast, a rumor was that his character was a descendant of Count Dooku. This was true, and this connection was then moved to Gwendolyn Christie's character. Um, and, you know, we, we had heard this rumor before that she's playing an Imperial officer and that it was a role that was originally, uh, they were considering Benedict Cumberbatch for, and then they decided to switch the gender of the character and cast Gwendolyn Christie in that role. And um, so... If that character ends up being a descendant of Count Dooku, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That, that could be a, another cool way of just sort of tying the whole universe together. But um, I guess this one I'm not necessarily – I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, if it turned out to be true, I'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but it's not something I'm like – oh, cool, that would be really awesome to see, and I hope that happens, but at the same time, I'm not like, oh, man, that would be stupid. Like, yeah. um, you know, why would they do that? Because on the one hand, I mean, it's never been established that Dooku had a love interest or anything like that, um, but we do know that, you know, he was a Jedi for a long time before he became a Sith, so some people might be like, oh, well, he was part of the Jedi Order, so he wouldn't have had a kid, but we're talking about the same Jedi that, abandoned the Jedi Order and led the Separatists, so I wouldn't put it past him to have a, a secret romance at some point. And at the same point at the same time, this could also be a distant relative. It doesn't necessarily have to be Dooku's daughter or granddaughter or something like that. It could be, you know, his niece or father's brother's nephew's cousin's best friend's <laughs> former roommate making them absolutely nothing um i don't know you know it, they just say uh descendant here so could be someone else in his family lineage but either way i mean that seems like more of a just sort of neat little in-universe connection kind of thing and not as much of a direct story kind of thing unless she has dooku's lightsaber um, which uh, could be cool and very interesting if, you know, if that was something that like got passed down. Cause we also know Dooku was, you know, the count of Sereno. And so he's got sort of this, um, you know, big family heritage and lineage kind of thing too. So, um, you know, if it turns into like some sort of family honor kind of thing, like my grandfather was a Sith. And so I follow the empire and the ways of the dark side and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that could be interesting, but um, still, I don't see this impacting the story a whole lot. That, that just seems like a little bit of, you know, backstory trivia. And in case there's, unless there's some sort of big surprise twist, I don't think it's going to really make that big of a difference one way or the other. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping if anything, this is what's taking place of the Obi-Wan's granddaughter rumor <laughs> from <laughs> Obi-Wan to Count Dooku. I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have to have a, a lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan's daughter and Count Dooku's granddaughter, and they're going to, you know, quote the exact same lines from when the two of them fought in episode yeah. three. <laughs> uh, yeah, they say the exact same line where, uh, my grandfather held you in such high esteem. Surely you could do better. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and then the next rumor is about Leia and the Hutts. 
And it says, there was a production sketch done very, very early on, which showed Princess Leia standing in the middle of several huts. She was wearing a maroon dress, political style, and was flanked by two soldiers. They looked to me like Naboo guards from Phantom Menace, but to others, they looked like rebel soldiers from the beginning of A New Hope. The picture looked as if she was having a meeting with them. She certainly didn't appear to be captive or under threat. I have no idea if this sketch has anything to do with the movie that is being shot as it is or was very early on. Um, so, again, nothing really huge or groundbreaking or surprising there. I mean, we know the huts are part of Star Wars. We know that Leia, although she can blast stormtroopers with the best of them, she's also a diplomat. So, I mean, if anybody needed to go and negotiate with the huts for something in Episode Seven, you know, Leia would be a good person to send. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if this ends up being true. Um, who knows, maybe we'll get to see the Huts bring some more bounty hunters into it, like, uh, we could see a, a very elderly Cad Bane or somebody like that who's <laughs> still working for the Huts, I don't know. Maybe the Huts got are trying to act all nice to Leia now, kind of making up for what Jabba did to her, making <laughs> her slave and all that. So like, oh, we're sorry for what Jabba did, like, what can we do for you now in the Senate or something like that? Yeah, That'd well, kind of knowing the huts, I don't think they would be sorry as much as they would be like, oh, well, you have our respect because you killed Jabba. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably more likely. Yeah. It would just be funny to see the huts be so apologetic and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know it wouldn't be motivated by actual, you know, sympathy and remorse. It would be like, oh, we're so nice to you now. We're sorry that Jabba held you as a slave. What can we do for you? You you want us to trade with the Republic? Sure, we'll, we'll help you out. Just please don't choke us out and blow up our <laughs> ship. See, if only Zero was still alive, <laughs> he could be uh, play that role. <laughs> no, if Zero the Hut were to show up in Episode 7, I would want Leia to choke him out with a chain. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, Smice and Rose took care of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Sure thing. She, she stole the kill that should have gone to Cat Bane, but whatever. <laughs> oh, gosh, Tim, I love that episode, but at the same time, you just had to bring back images into my head of size noodles and Zero the Hut kissing, and it was something I never needed to see in my life. But don't you want to see something like that in live action, the spinoff movie? <laughs> Not in the least. Oh man, that'd be the highlight of the whole new sequel trilogy or the new era of Star Wars. <laughs> anyway, um, so the fourth rumor they've got on here uh, talking about Endor, and they said, again, very early on, there were several sketches titled After Party, which was a bit of an in-joke. These showed a second battle of Endor, the story being that after the rebels left Endor, Imperial forces and these new villains attacked. They killed many Ewoks and, more importantly, left with the remains of Darth Vader. Now, where I was working at the time, there was a lot going on, and some of it was, wasn't necessarily related to Episode Seven, but other Star Wars projects. So I'm guessing the person that wrote this article is maybe a former Lucasfilm employee or something. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, yeah, but they said, you know, some of it wasn't necessarily related to Episode Seven, but other Star Wars projects that will fill in the gaps between Episode Six and Seven. I don't think these scenes will appear in the movie, but rather something set between movies. Um, now, this is interesting just because... I mean, I've been hoping that they would do some sort of project set in between episodes six and seven to fill more of that time period. Um, and I was surprised when they first announced Star Wars Rebels. I was surprised that they chose to go with a story in between episodes three and four and not between six and seven, especially once we found out that episode seven takes place 30 years after Return of the Jedi. Although that was pretty much what we all assumed anyways, because 
you know, with uh, with Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher coming back, you can't really go with a much shorter time period than that just because of the age of the actors. So, you know, you can't set it 10 years after Return of the Jedi because they're all too old to play, you know, 30 or 40 year old versions of themselves when they're all like 60 or 70. So, um, yeah, I, I thought, uh, I was like, I, I want to know, of course, what the story is going to be in episode seven. But once we get to that point, I'm going to want to know what happened in between six and seven. And I'm sure they'll, you know, sort of give us some, some backstory and stuff during episode seven and whether it's, you know, explained by the characters or stuff that we see in the title crawl at the beginning. Um, you know, of course they're going to sort of set the stage and be like, okay, here's where we're at since return of the Jedi. But still that's a whole 30 years of missing time that we don't know what happened to. So I'm sure over the coming years we'll get, um, you know, a lot of stuff to fill that in. Um, you know, even if uh, the the first animated series that they're doing right now isn't in that time period, but whether it's another animated series or live action series or some novels or video games or something, um, I'm really excited to see uh, sort of that time period fleshed out and explore those gaps. And so the fact that they've already got, you know, some concept art and some projects planned for that time period is not surprising, but it's definitely exciting for me. Um, and this whole idea of uh, the Empire going back to Endor and um, you know, getting Darth Vader's armor. It's like, on the one hand, you know, we're still wondering, like, what would they actually want with Vader's armor? You know, do these Jedi hunters sort of revere it like a Sith relic or something? You know, they think Vader's spirit or something might still be in there. I don't know. But, or, you know what, knowing the pride of the Empire, they could just think, oh, that's, you know, Darth Vader's armor. We can't just leave it down in the forest with those primitive spear-wielding teddy bears. So they go back and burn the planet and take the armor. I don't know. It's bad enough um, we lost to them. <laughs> it's not that to keep the armor. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, even though everybody says, you know, Star Wars fans like to complain about, like, oh, how did the Empire get defeated by teddy bears, you know, and the the Imperial troops and, you know, like Palpatine says, an entire legion of my best troops await them. And so it's like, if those are the Empire's best troops, they should have been able to defeat the Ewoks. So... Maybe they're just trying to give the fans what they want and be like, okay, look, guys, they can defeat the Ewoks. They go back in there and wipe them out. But at the same <laughs> time, in the story, we know that the the Ewoks beat those guys the first time. Although I do give Chewie all the credit for for hijacking a uh, an ATST. So you know, if the Rebels left and the Imperials came back, then the Walkers could have just wiped them out. The Ewoks had used up all their big log traps, and Chewbacca <laughs> wasn't around to hijack any of them. So you know, maybe they just wiped them all out like that. Um, but I don't know. It, it's certainly an intriguing idea for, you know, some sort of new story set in between six and seven and to sort of set the story for where we are in episode seven. Um, if these guys are in fact going to have Darth Vader's armor play into the story somehow, either as something integral to the plot or if it's just sort of a, a background decoration, you know, it's like part of the, the mythology of these, Sith Inquisitors and Jedi Hunters just that they revere the legacy of Vader and Palpatine and want to hang on to those relics. Um, but either way, it should be pretty cool to see. Even if it, you know, it could be sad too if we're like, you know, we, we've spent the past 30 years after Return of the Jedi thinking that, oh, the Ewoks and the Rebels, you know, defeated the Empire together and we're going to find out in Episode 7. Yeah, well, guess what? They they went back and wiped out all the Ewoks after the Rebels <laughs> left. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, sure a lot of star older Star Wars fans anyway won't be too upset by that. Yeah. <laughs> They're hoping to see that. But when I first read this description, um, kind of how I was saying this could be another Star Wars project, not necessarily a movie. 
uh, I thought it actually could probably be a game where uh, I know they said they're not going to have a, a tie-in game to Episode Seven, but maybe if it's even like for instance Battlefront, there's a, a main story mission, and one of the missions is the battle on Endor, and this is what happens if you like plan on the side of the Empire or something. This is what the mission has to be to get Darth Vader's armor, and you go back to Endor, or maybe a whole other game where this will be a level. But this whole description reminded me of something that we could probably see in a game rather than in a movie and or. Uh, I know we we'll probably won't see it in Rebels, but if they have any other plans for TV shows or something like that. So I just think it would probably be a game, if anything, which, again, would still be pretty cool because how awesome Star Wars Battlefront is looking, <laughs> I wouldn't mind playing something like that in the game. Yeah, definitely. Although, I don't know, with, with something like Battlefront that's definitely sort of more focused on the multiplayer shooter aspect of it, I don't know that they would integrate too much of like a, a really important story into, you know, some sort of campaign mission in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, all those games have like a single player story, but it, it would be, and it could be pretty interesting, but it, it seemed, it would seem like an odd choice to me to be like, okay, here's some sort of big integral piece of information related to star Wars episode seven. And we're going to put this in the single player campaign of a game that most people are going to play for the multiplayer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, or it'd be cool you, if they you just create a whole game new game have, based you, on that. <laughs> would be cool. Who, who, what? That'd be cool if they just create a whole new game based on the like premise of getting Darth Vader's armor back. Yeah, that could be too. And at the same time, I mean, maybe that is something that could be like a Battlefront campaign or something because that does sort of seem like a fairly simple plot if you're going to build a whole game around that unless the whole game is just going to be you, you know, running through and or, you know, wiping on Ewoks. But then again, it could also be... Um, you know, that could just be like the first level of the game. You know, there, there could be a whole game about the Imperial Remnant or about the Sith Inquisitors or something. And just one part of the game could be going to Endor to get Vader's armor back. That could be pretty cool too. Yeah. Or it could just be like the start of like their main mission that first is to retrieve Darth Vader's armor. That's like the first few levels. And then it just like turns into something, this whole other big story that you have to deal with that could tie in in some way. Maybe just uh, Darth Vader Alpha could tie into episode seven, but then it just expanded to its own unique story that won't have too much to do with it, but have a little connection to episode seven. There's tons of things you can do with that possibility. Yeah. There are endless possibilities either way. I'm sure, like you said, there, there are probably plenty of older fans who would like, the idea of getting to play a game and wipe out a bunch of Ewoks. Yeah. Um, Of course, then you know if that does happen, then people are going to start petitions and stuff and be like, can we please go wipe out the Gungans next? Yeah, that'll be the sequel. (laughs) I I know a lot of people personally who would blind up to either watch that movie or play that game first (laughs) for the Ewoks. Yeah. Um, and then this last, uh, the last rumor here, they're talking about George Lucas, and they said uh, George's vision for the sequel trilogy was to take it right back to the beginning, meaning the beginning of the Jedi and the Sith, how that came to be, and how the ancient forces were still influencing things. Luke was going to go on an adventure that would take him back to the origin of evil in the galaxy. Some of these ideas have very much influenced the story. So this is something that sounds really cool and really intriguing to me. And this is one of those ones that I definitely hope is true. I mean, if you guys have listened to us talk before about star Wars and the previous expanded universe and stuff, I mean, you know how much I love Knights of the old Republic and that whole old Republic time period and Darth Revan and all this kind of stuff. And so 
I mean, if any of that was referenced in episode seven, like, heck, if, if Luke Skywalker just said the name Darth Revan, I would probably explode. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, that would be so cool. But even if they do a complete revision, rewiping, reboot, whatever of the whole, you know, origin story of the Jedi and the Sith and, you know, J.J. Abrams does his own completely different version of what the Old Republic was like. It would still be really cool if that's part of, you know, part of this new story. And, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that if Luke has disappeared for 10 years, I'm hoping it wasn't just he got captured by the Inquisitors and was, you know, he's been being held captive for 10 years. I hope it was something where he went off on this journey to discover a lot of stuff you know maybe he went back to a bunch of ancient planets like Corban or you know places like that to Corban <laughs> Corban Morban it's the same planet um you gotta say in the but, official uh canon name now <laughs> yeah well in the official canon they said it's really old and could have had multiple names so I still call it Corban um <laughs> but um yeah I mean to and of course we wouldn't see that because it would be part of the backstory if he's been missing for all these years. But if rather than just Luke's been captured for 10 years, if it was like Luke left 10 years ago to try to discover more about the Jedi and the Sith and he found out about these Sith Inquisitors and so he went in search of you know Sith knowledge to find out how long these guys have really been around and then that led him to discover more about the ancient history of the Jedi and find out if the Jedi knew anything about these guys and how to defeat them and blah, blah, blah. And then while he's on this journey expedition, you know, whatever, then maybe he gets captured. And so, um, you know, at the beginning of the movie, Han and Leia could be like, you know, Luke said he was going to be gone for a long time and he was going to be doing a bunch of, you know, discovering about the force and everything. But it's been 10 years. Maybe we should go look for him. Like I could buy into that. Um, as far as, you know, the amount of time that Luke's been gone. And I also, like I said, would love to see like, if he is in fact missing in these characters, go find him when they do find him. He's not just like all alone in a cell and like, uh, guys help me get out of here. I've been captured for so long and I can't help myself. You know, I, I would love <laughs> it if like they find him and he's like, Oh, good, you're here. Listen to what I found out. Like, you guys are not going to believe this. And then goes and tells him all this stuff he found out about the ancient history of the Jedi and the Sith and these Sith Inquisitors that have been around all this time and that this is who's fighting them. You know, this is who's fighting the Jedi now. And we got to watch out for these guys because you didn't know who this cyborg guy was. But now we know he's this really powerful, you know, Sith puppet, adept, whatever you want to call him. Um, so yeah, that could all be really cool to see if, uh, I mean, even if that stuff is just sort of integrated in there a little bit, but I, I love those stories that sort of explore the, the ancient history of Star Wars and the old Republic and the, the sort of origins of the force and the Jedi and the Sith and all that kind of stuff. So if this ends up being true and there's sort of any of that at all, you know, influencing the story or playing a big part in the story for episode seven, then I am going to love it. And I'm hoping that's one of those things that gets kept a secret. Um, you know, it's like if, if I know that we're going to find out about some of that stuff, awesome. But I don't want to know what it is until we go see the movie. Um, yeah, and, you know, like I said, whether it's Darth Revan or whether it's something completely new or, you know, anything in between, you know, any other references to some of the other 
EU stuff or whether it's similar or whether it's completely different, um, you know, whatever it is, I just want to be surprised the first time I go to see it. And I, I sort of was encouraged by what you said earlier about um, how some of these people that are having their, their anonymous sources or whatever tell them these things um, are still saying that, you know, some of the stuff they just won't tell them because you know, you have to go see the movie for yourself and be surprised. I was like, that's encouraging to know because I mean, for, for one thing, that means that the people working on this movie have a lot of faith that it's going to be really good. I mean, you know, it's got to be really, really good if the people working on it and the ones who are going to Latino review and these other websites and, and sharing stuff that they're not supposed to share and, you know, leaking set photos and whatever else are saying like, hey, here's the spoilers kind of stuff for you guys to leak out. But I'm not even going to tell you the really cool stuff because like it's so cool that I can't even tell you and I don't want to spoil it for people. So, I mean, that is encouraging to me and gives me hope for the fact that, you know, hopefully we can keep that up for another year and a half. I know that's asking <laughs> a lot and I know that's a long time, but you know, if, if we can avoid any complete scripts getting leaked or avoid any, you know, big surprises or reveals or any big story plot points getting spoiled, I'm like, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. Hopefully it's going to be hard for it not to get spoiled. And then if it does get spoiled, to resist looking at it and finding out what those are. But just uh, going back to the whole, this last point from the Making Star Wars report about uh, seeing the origins of the beginnings of the Jedi and the Sith, I think that could be something really cool. Kind of have the definitive story of that, of how they came to be. Because it's still like it's kind of a mystery, even in the... Uh, legend stuff now where they never really defined fully what the origins were for at least the Jedi in particular. I mean, there was that uh, Tales of the Jedi. I mean, see, I'm blanking on the name now, but there's that comic series that came out a year or two ago, which I really wasn't a big fan of. Um, so to kind of get something that's official canon and the official history of the Jedi and the Sith, how they came to be, regardless of the direction they go, um, it's as far as like tying into certain like previous EU stories and all that, I just would be really excited to finally find out what the origin, the beginnings of the Jedi and Sith were. And yeah, if it's, I have a feeling this could tie into what the, maybe the whole flashbacks we were talking about earlier, if it goes all the way back and then leads up to the Sith Inquisitors and how they tie into Darth Vader and all that. So yeah, this is a possibility and a rumor I really hope pans out. Cause I think that'll be awesome to see. And, just for me personally, as someone who likes to know as much as they can about uh, certain histories and stuff. And I know those people who don't want to know everything about certain characters and stuff. But when it comes to like the whole organization of the Jedi and the Sith, yeah, that's something I'm dying to know more about. It would just be awesome to see their beginnings. So, yeah, really hoping this one pans out in the end. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I, I still don't want to see like the origins and the backstory of Yoda but <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, some things Yoda in there too. That would make me happy also. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, just to see some of that history stuff would be pretty cool. Um, we've also got another um, sort of, this seems like a smaller thing in comparison to all this other big stuff we've been talking yeah. about. This is still pretty big. Um, this is something else that came out from Indie Revolver um, over these past couple weeks. And they've got two pieces of concept art of Han Solo from Star Wars Episode Seven um, for what his costume is going to look like. And now one of these costumes basically looks like almost the same thing that he wears on Hoth in Empire Strikes Back. Um, and, you know, might be slightly different, but, uh, I mean, it, it's sort of like a dark navy blue 
you know, um, coat and pants and boot and everything with a, it looks like a hood that's got like that fur on the edges of it. So definitely looks like some sort of cold weather gear. Um, and then they've got another image that I would assume would probably be his main costume for the movie because it looks more sort of, um, you know, similar to what he wears in the original trilogy, but it's basically like black pants, black boots, looks like kind of the same belt that he wore in the original trilogy and a, a very similar looking white shirt. But the big difference here is that instead of wearing the vest or the, um, like the dark jacket that he wears in Empire Strikes Back, it's like a brown long overcoat kind of thing that immediately made me think of uh nathan fillion's character malcolm reynolds from firefly um, <laughs> it was very reminiscent of that but you know it looks pretty cool so um i don't know what did you have any uh specific reactions to these first two pictures i just thought they look cool in particular the one where like you said has a long coat on i actually thought of the uh, the coat he kind of wore in his camouflage outfit in on endor and return of the jedi just being a different color but I, I do like the look of it. It is something that you can see Han Solo wearing in his uh, older years, you could say, but still having like have that classic feel to it also. So, yeah, I mean, these are just concept drawings. We'll see if any of these make the final film. But um, I think they could look they look pretty cool where, yeah, you could see Han Solo wearing stuff like that. So, yeah, I think they look good. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of, I guess I feel the same way about these as, um, you know, what I said earlier about that jungle trooper that I'm not like, super excited for it i'm not super disappointed by it but i can just see this fitting in the star wars universe i mean it doesn't look like it's gonna you know stand out as like oh that's that one really cool costume and it doesn't look like it's gonna stand out as being out of place i mean especially the like i said the one that looks like cold weather gear it looks to me almost exactly like what he wears on hoth in empire strikes back and on the one hand you know you might think like oh well i wish it looked a little different so we could see some new designs in this movie and you know some more like sort of like cool new stuff but at the same time it's like if it ain't broke don't fix it and you know we know that something like this has been established in star wars and it looks like it's gonna fit right in so um yeah i mean th we can say that for pretty much everything that's been leaked so far as far as concept art images or uh you know uh i'm blanking on the word here Photos, set photos, that, that, yeah, those, um, those weird things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, all that stuff. I mean, some of it looks really cool and some of it at the very least looks like it's just ordinary for the Star Wars universe. So, I mean, I think they're doing a great job so far, at least from what we've seen of, you know, just sort of keeping the look consistent with, um, everything we've seen in the, in the saga so far. Yeah, and maybe if uh, Lando ends up showing in episode eight, he can be wearing one of those uh, outfits that Han's wearing in there, just like he did in Empire. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, everybody gives Lando crap for that because he wore Han's vest in Empire, even though Han doesn't wear that vest in the movie. Still, it was an outfit Han wore <laughs> in the new home. It still looks funny and weird. I mean, I'm just exactly yeah, like he did. It makes sense. He needed some spare clothes. Han's probably got like eight of those vests on the Falcon. <laughs> but you're, he's out looking for him. Show a little respect. You don't know if we're going to find him. Well, <laughs> when all. he finds him, he's wearing a Jabba's Palace guard outfit. <laughs> but he didn't know that when he left the uh, Imperial or the Rebel Alliance ship with the Falcon. And he's taking off. <laughs> eh, I don't know. It and just looks weird. I, I could go on a whole different tangent on that topic about how did it take them a whole year to find Han when at the end of Empire, 
they say that they're going after Jabba the Hutt on Tatooine. They just needed to formulate the right plan to get him out. And I'm sure different uh, situations got in their way that prevented them from going straight there. with certain Empire, maybe, because uh, like, there's whole the Shadow of the Empire that goes on Right, there, right. Yeah, I know the whole Shadows of the Empire storyline explores that. But still, it's like, unless it took Lando a whole year to get accepted undercover in Jabba's palace, like, it shouldn't take a whole year for that. <laughs> well, hopefully we get a standalone movie exploring that. <laughs> There's a flashback. Very possibly could. Yeah. You never know. And um, they can play their same characters, even though they're a lot older <laughs> than what they should be at that time period. Yeah, it, it'll be the the old characters sort of re envisioning what happened back then. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember the time when we were looking for Han? <laughs> <laughs> They're finally catching Han up on that year he missed. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, so what night. did happen back then anyways? Yeah, funny you should ask. Ever hear um, this guy named Dash Rendar? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess one other Episode 7 related thing, which, again, seems kind of small in comparison to everything else. Um, we know that they're done filming in Abu Dhabi on location, and we assume that, you know, they were shooting scenes for Tatooine out there. Um, but there's a uh, a new leaked set photo. See, I, I remembered what to call it this time. Um, <laughs> this is on CineLinks.com. They've, they've got a new photo of what appears to be a Tatooine landscape. Um, and these in particular, at least to me, look sort of like Tusken Raider buildings. Yeah, about the um, same thing. Because they, they've got sort of these like crude sticks or something sticking out of the top of these huts and stuff like that. Um, but this is apparently um, like a set that was built outside of Pinewood Studios in London. So, um, I mean, maybe they just needed to do some pickup shots from that, uh, you know, the set in Abu Dhabi, or maybe they're doing, uh, you know, some whole new scenes or something that they just were planning to film on the studio lot and, in, you know, not out in the middle of the actual desert. So, um, yeah, I mean, either way, not much to go on here, but. Um, you know, it looks like we'll be seeing a little bit more of Tatooine than we originally thought and could be seeing some more sand people. Which would be cool. I'm actually kind of hoping it's, for some reason, they go to the actual Tusken Raider camp that Anakin had to, where he slaughtered all of them in episode two. Maybe they're retracing certain steps of Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. I think that'd be kind of cool. It's actually the same one that we saw in Attack of the Clones. That could be interesting. Um, yeah, who knows? I wonder if we'll see them walk single file to hide their numbers. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. Um, and then at Entertainment Weekly, they did an interview with Adam Driver um, where, you know, of course, they asked about Star Wars and they kind of talk about it for a bit, but nothing really new or interesting regarding Episode 7. Um, so, you know, you guys can uh, check that out if you haven't read that yet. We've got the link to it on our Twitter page. One thing I thought was interesting from here is, uh, you know, they're asking if he can tell them anything about Star Wars Episode Seven, and he's like, well, no, obviously. Um, but he also says, like, when they cast when, when they cast him to be in Star Wars, he's like, there was never a time where someone sat me down and was like, people are going to do this or say this or ask this. Um, they never had that conversation. Instead, they just kind of trusted that I wouldn't say anything. So it's interesting because obviously... You know, we've seen so many people, you know, obviously Harrison Ford being probably the one that we've talked the most about who go on all these talk shows and stuff and then, you know, never say anything when people bring up Star Wars Episode Seven, And it's like, I'm sure they all had to sign some form of non-disclosure agreement, but it's like, did J.J. Abrams or Kathleen Kennedy or somebody, you know, sit them down and, um, 
you know, sort of reiterate, like, you cannot say this, you cannot say this, you cannot say this, or do they just trust him to, like, shut up or you're going to get fired? <laughs> yeah, sure, it was all worked, worked out in the contract <laughs> that he signed about that. But I know, like you said, he didn't give pretty much absolutely nothing in regards to episode seven. He was mainly just kind of uh, recounting as far as what makes the original trilogy so special to him and the themes that uh, were so important in the movie. And, like, he even says how it's pretty much uh, how it deals with siblings and parents and betrayal and trust. And he says that's so generic and obvious, but it's hard to balance those things, which he says the original trilogy did so well. And I know there's been the speculation, like I know on Twitter, that as far as maybe kind of revealing more than, it's, than what he's leading on in these comments, maybe giving an insight of how the main characters and the rivalries we can see in episode seven are going to be dealing with the siblings and their parents and some betrayals that are going to happen. And maybe it's possible, but I just really got the feeling he was just describing as what he felt was so strong in the original trilogy. And maybe we will see some of those similarities and themes in episode seven, which I'm sure we will. But um, I just think he didn't really reveal anything too much. And I know there's some who are maybe thinking that he did do that. And maybe he is. I don't know. But just for me personally, I just have a feeling he didn't really didn't intend to reveal anything or like have a secret meaning in his answers there. I just think he was really telling what he felt about the original trilogy and what the interviewer asked him in this article. But I did find it interesting though, that um, as far as when he's been on set, George Lucas hasn't been around. I know he's still just a creative consultant, but I've just been kind of curious is like if he's made a few trips down to the set and see how <laughs> the movie's going. But According to Adam Driver, at least for the time he's been on there, he hasn't seen George Lucas at all. So that's something that I noticed or picked up from his interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly. Here. Yeah, not that he's noticed. Yeah. George is always <laughs> watching. He's hiding in the background or like from all the actors. <laughs> it's like they're well, not allowed to see him. He's, he's like one with the force or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's always there. He has, like, uh, cameras linked to the set to his house, and he's just there watching everything going on without anyone knowing. He surrounds them and binds them and – or penetrates them and binds the movie together. Yeah. <laughs> there is a perfect description right there, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all the Episode 7 stuff for this week, um, which is actually a lot. Uh, and it's been a, a lot of fun we... speculation with that stuff, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's been a while since we've had this many sort of juicy rumors and stuff mm -hmm. to, to dig into and talk about. Um, now, on to some actual official news. We have a official premiere date for Star Wars Rebels, and that is yeah, going to be finally. on October 3rd. Um, and um, I think this is going to be, yeah, so the the television debut, it's going to be the one-hour special, Star Wars Rebels Spark of the Rebellion, um, airs Friday, October 3rd on, at 9 o'clock p.m. on Disney Channel, um, although it says on Disney Channels, plural, so I'm guessing that might be Disney Channel and Disney XD, um, but then the main series premiere of uh, the actual series on Disney XD is going to be Monday, October 13th, so... Um, I mean, yeah, we, we were already sort of leaning towards an October release date. Um, that was sort of our guess and seemed pretty plausible. We knew that that uh, Spark of the Rebellion DVD had been listed on Amazon already um, for release on October 14th. So um, that's going to air on TV on October 3rd. And then on Monday the 13th, we've got the main series premiere. And then that Spark of the Rebellion is available on DVD on the day after that on the October 14th. Um, and yeah, I mean, at this point, I, we've pretty much already 
done a whole lot of Rebels hype and speculation and talk about it and stuff, and we're all excited for it. So it is nice to finally get the release date. I mean, after all the Comic-Con panels and all the trailers and stuff, we were like, okay, we've narrowed it down to October, and now we're just waiting for a date, and we finally got one. So um, now we know when we're going to be uh, tuning in to finally see the premiere of this. Yeah, and for me to see it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, lucky you. Just um, had to rub that in there a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I remember on our last episode, I was talking about how I was a little skeptical about that DVD release date is how normally stuff that premieres are not, like, when it premieres, it doesn't come on DVD so quickly, but apparently uh, this is the case. Yeah, October 3rd, and then the DVD comes out October 14th, so it's a real short gap. And the DVD is going to have some cool uh, features on it. It's going to have the four shorts that uh, we're getting this month, which is cool. And then it's going to come with a like a free uh, 3D model of the Ghost. But the only downside is that why is it just DVD? Put it out on Blu-ray too. <laughs> the show is yeah. going to be in HD and it's going to look awesome in HD. So like you're not going to want to go back to see it in standard definition on a DVD. So hopefully a Blu-ray release will be down the line, at least for the main uh, spark of the uh, getting tongue-tied there the spark of the rebellion movie and then because i at least i'm assuming the season sets will be coming out blu-ray like clone wars did so yeah just a lot of cool dates to finally mark on our calendar like i said at the beginning to count down to october 3rd for the premiere on tv and then you got the dvd release and you got the actual premiere on disney xd then also even before october 3rd if you're part of the Says verified users of the WatchDisneyXD.com and the WatchDisneyXD app, you can actually watch the hour-long premiere on starting Monday, September 29th. So, not exactly sure how that works. If you have to be subscribed to it, if like there's a monthly fee you have to pay for WatchDisneyXD, or if some you can just download the app and watch stuff on there. I'm gonna have to check that out pretty soon. But yeah, you can even watch a little earlier if you want. So. Yeah, well, I think what that uh, that Watch Disney XD thing. It's one of those. Um you know, sort of TV online services where you can only watch it if you basically they, they just want to verify that you are already like a paid cable subscriber or something. So if you go on there, then you can sign in if you have like a Comcast Xfinity, um, you know, cable account or something. Um, or I, I mean, that was the one that I looked at cause that's the cable I have, but I didn't sign up for it. But, um, I mean, you might be able to use other cable providers as well, but basically they have a whole bunch of videos on there. I mean, they even have their own se section for star Wars rebels. And there are some videos like, uh, just some of the trailers and teasers and shorts and stuff that we've already seen that like anybody can watch. And then there's some stuff that, um, you have to you know, like I said, verified that login information with your, uh, your cable account to be able to access. And so then it's basically like watching, almost like watching cable on demand, um, on your computer, but you know, apparently they're putting some of this stuff out early for those users. Yeah. So I don't know if, uh, those who would want to wait to have the TV premiere experiences on October 3rd or if those are going to watch it earlier, but at least you have that option, which is pretty cool. So yeah, just again, Circle that date on the calendar, October 3rd. We'll finally be able to see Star Wars Rebels on TV screen. Then we'll go from there to hopefully another great, awesome Star Wars TV series for a few years to come. Hopefully it's not a short time, but hopefully as long as the Clone Wars did. We're right about to start this new era of the Star Wars on television, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, I mean, you know, everything that we've seen for it so far is great. We just got another short last week, and, you know, they're putting these out, like, every Monday now, so... Um, Monday last week we got the new short Art Attack, um, and 
it's all about Sabine as she, uh, sort of undercover of night, sneaks onto an Imperial base and starts tagging a TIE fighter with spray paint and some stormtroopers come over to her and, uh, you know, she outwits those guys and gets away from them and then blows up the TIE fighter that she spray painted, which makes a big purple pretty cloud of explosion and the stormtroopers are all covered in paint and everything. Um, I can definitely see what you were talking about with the premiere when you said, like, one of your only complaints about it was that the stormtroopers are still, like, the, you know, the dumb grunts, the cannon yeah. fodder, the <laughs> incompetent kind of guys. Um, because, you know, when the when the TIE fighters notice, or when the stormtroopers notice this thermal detonator that's, like, stuck on the wing of a TIE fighter, one of them, like, puts his face right up next to it. He's like, oh, uh-oh, that's bad. It's blinking. It's probably going to blow up. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> and boom. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, this was a, another pretty cool one. Sabine seems like she's going to be a pretty fun character. Um, and they just released a, uh, a, well, a couple days ago, I guess, or maybe just yesterday, they, they released a teaser for the next uh, preview, or for the next short that's going to be coming out this Monday. We're recording this on Sunday, so by the time I get this edited and posted and everything, um, this next short will probably be, uh, up online already, especially cause they've been putting them online, like right at midnight on, uh, the star Wars YouTube channel. Um, so be sure to check out this next one. It's going to focus on Zeb and just from this 50 second preview, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I've said this before, Zeb already looks like he's probably going to be my favorite character. Um, cause he's, you know, beating up these stormtroopers. He has some pretty cool, uh, you know, fighting moves too. He's like, yeah. Not just not just shooting these guys or hitting them with his electro staff or whatever, but he's you know punching them and then picking them up and tossing them into other troopers, and he, he's basically using stormtroopers as weapons against other stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun to watch, but also, I mean, as someone who has done martial arts before, um, I mean, just sort of the I don't even want to say the fight choreography because obviously this isn't something as complex as like a lightsaber fight, but still the the choreography of these moves and the sort of angles that they choose to shoot them from as the stormtroopers are getting beat up and flung across the screen. I'm like, this actually is, you know, some, some well-staged action as well as being just sort of fun and comedic. So I can't wait to see more of Zeb in this next short and in the, you know, the actual series once it airs. So that should be pretty exciting. Yeah. I really like the Sabine clip. And then, like I said, the Zeb one looks really cool. And Despite the fact of, like I said before, the stormtroopers being shown as incompetent and not be able to shoot anything, <laughs> um, these clips are really good. I mean, it's like, uh, as far as the action is great, but even the dialogue that uh, Sabine and Zeb had in both of these, it's just, it's just fun, great dialogue where they're just teasing the stormtroopers and just showing how, uh, like, like we said, is how inadequate they are. Really, Sabine saying like, "Oh, you guys." I got to shoot better than that. And uh, I read the book on you and it was a pretty short book. And stuff oh, like yeah. yeah it's it's just like, you troopers are so predictable. You ever do, you always do everything by the book. I read your book. It's a short one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty good line. Yeah. Then Zeb just having, like, having that conversation with uh, Kanan over the intercoms, like saying, <laughs> like, I, I didn't intend to fight these stormtroopers. <laughs> like, even though Kanan's kind of like, did you go out of your way to fight these stormtroopers? So, yeah, everything just working in these shorts so far. And, stuff that I loved about the premiere. So yeah, again, sounding like a broken record here, but just loving everything I'm seeing so far with Rebels. Yeah. Now with these Z, uh, bleh, Zeb and Sabine shorts, um, you hadn't seen these before, right? No. Uh -uh, not at okay. All. Cause I know when the first short with, uh, you know, Kanan and Hera and Chopper, when we saw that, when you said you thought you might've seen that as part of the premiere, 
Um, so yeah, like, now <laughs> yeah, since these are brand new, I just think I might have gotten. It's probably been similar to the escape and like a small tie fighter attack they had in the premiere, or maybe I just kind of since I haven't seen it in a while since the Comic Con premiere, and then when we got that short, maybe kind of blended together. But they specifically said that these are all different, and you're definitely seeing it now with the Zeb and Sabine one. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, these have all been pretty exciting. It'll be interesting to see what they do for the last one. I mean, I would assume they'll probably focus on Ezra just because that's the only one they haven't done so far. But these other three have all focused on like the individual, um, well, the individual members of the crew of the Ghost. But you see them sort of interacting um, with each other, and they're all sort of together already. So, like in the Zeb one, you hear him talking to Kanan, and in the Sabine one, you hear her talking to Hera. Um, and then, of course, the first one's got uh, Kanan and Hera and Chopper all together. Um, and we know Ezra's not going to meet up with these characters until the premiere of the show. So I wonder, like, for the fourth short, is it going to be just Ezra by himself? Or are we going to see more of the rest of the characters? Or would it maybe focus on the villains? I don't know. No, um, what I'm thinking it is, it's going to be the, the scene that I thought where I was going to see in the premiere where uh, Ezra's by that down TIE fighter that we saw in the very first, like, Spark and Ignite trailers. I think that's going to be that whole sequence as far as his short. Oh, that wasn't in the uh, that wasn't in the premiere. No, it wasn't. I was expecting it to, but yeah. Oh, it okay. Wasn't, so yeah, I, I figured that was going to take place like right after what we see in uh, at, at the end of that seven minute preview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unless they change it, and it is from the premiere, they did say it wasn't finished. So, but yeah, I'm pretty. I'm going to say ninety nine percent that Ezra Short is going to be based off that down Tie Fighter clips we've been seeing. Okay. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, you've seen the whole premiere, so if you know that's something we've seen in the previews that wasn't in that premiere, then, yeah, that's probably where that's from. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's all the Star Wars Rebels stuff. Um, there's also been some new, uh, they're releasing, like, some new short teaser, you know, TV teaser spots, um, like the little 30-second ones that you see on TV commercials, and they've got all those up on YouTube, so there's a few new, a few of those new ones out there. Um, and then, yeah, like we said, that Zeb short is going to be releasing tonight at midnight. And by the time you listen to this episode, it'll probably already be available. So, uh, check that out. It should be fun. Um, then a few last things to finish up with. Um, although I say finish up, there's two last things at the end of here that we're probably going to talk a lot about. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, um, we've got a new rumor from comicbook.com and they're saying that, um, you know, they've got a rumor that uh, Lucasfilm could be releasing the original, uncut, unaltered versions of the original Star Wars trilogy on Blu-ray, which is something that a lot of fans have been clamoring for for a long time. So I'm sure this would make them boatloads of money if they did this. Um, I mean, I don't know, Tim, what do you what do you think? I know you've already got like 18 copies of yeah. Star Wars <laughs> on DVD or Blu-ray or something. Would you buy this one too? Yeah, it's pretty safe to say if this comes out, I'll be adding it to my collection. But I will say, it's not not buying it because, oh, these are the versions I've been waiting for, like the true version of them, because I hate all the changes. I'm just pretty much going to have it for a collector's standpoint, really, because it would just be cool to have the original theatrical releases on Blu-ray and HD quality. But when it comes time to sit down, if I'm going to do a Star Wars movie marathon and want to watch them, I'm going to go back to the ones from the first Blu-ray release changes at all. Even though there's some changes I do without, I think there's more changes that I enjoy and would want to see included in the older uncut ones. So I'm going to stick with the current Blu-ray releases and then just have these on the shelf as a nice collector's thing to have, just to say that we have the original trilogy in HD. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way where I like the newer versions of them, even though, I mean, there are a couple changes on the newest Blu-ray release that really irk me, but, um, I mean, at least with, you know, the, the special editions from, like, the DVD and stuff, I mean, those are sort of my definitive editions, I guess. Um, and even though... And it would be nice to have the original, uncut, unaltered versions. Um, I do like what they're doing with the special editions as far as, like, improving the special effects and that sort of exactly. stuff. And so I, I kind of get the feeling, like, if I went back and watched the original, uncut, unaltered, you know, 1977 version, I'd be like, really? That's what the effects looked like back then? I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure how much they've touched them up over the years and, uh, you know, made them look better. But, I mean, my ideal version of a Star Wars Blu-ray release would be sort of an unaltered version as far as story goes, even though I don't mind some of the scenes like, um, you know, whether it's Jabba showing up in A New Hope or, I mean, even Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost at the end of um, Return of the Jedi. I mean, I know some people are like really strongly opinionated about those things. I don't really mind them one way or the other. I mean, I could do with them. I could do without them. But those are the things that are in the, the versions of Star Wars that I watch now. Um, but, I mean, even if they if they cut that stuff out and just went back to sort of the original theatrical cut, Han shot first, all that good stuff, but still did, um, you know, sort of like the remastered version of the effects and the audio and all that kind of stuff, that's what I would prefer. Um you know, fix the, anytime where you see, uh, like the pole sticking out of the Wampa's arm or that scene on the Millennium Falcon where Luke's training with the lightsaber and the lightsaber is like six different shades <laughs> of not quite blue in, you know, all the different shots. They still haven't like, gotten that right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I wish they would fix that kind of stuff so that, you know, the, the effects, I mean, on the one hand, I get that you know, you kind of want to leave them because that's how they were when it came out. And that's the original, you know, 1977. Like, that's how the stuff looked in the movie. But at the same time, when Star Wars has grown to this huge iconic thing that it is, and it's this big franchise spanning, you know, all these different movies and video games and stuff, I wouldn't mind if they, you know, went and fixed that so that, like, a lightsaber looks like a lightsaber in every version of Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, I mean, even though they don't all look the same anyways, but... You know, it's like you look at a lightsaber in episode one and episode six and they look kind of similar. And then in episode one or in uh, episode four, I mean, it's like, what is that like pale, faintly glowing thing that he's swinging around? You know, so if they went back and like touched up some of those effects, I'd be good with that. But, you know, then there there's so much gray area in between there because I'm sure every fan has their sort of ideal version of a, a recut version of Star Wars where they're like, well, this change was stupid, so don't include that one, but then include this one because this made it better and fix those effects, but don't fix these effects. And so um, I don't know that they would ever do something like that where it was like anywhere in between. I think it's either going to be you know the most recent special edition or go back to the uh, the original uncut version. But if they do release this, I think on the one hand it would be cool because even though I might not be the the most crazy about it or the one who's, you know, clamoring to add it to my collection. I know a lot of people are, and so I'm sure that would be a cool thing for a lot of Star Wars fans. And also, it would make them a boatload of money. Um, because, you know, even if there were some people like me who, who bought them and were like, you know, this isn't quite as cool as I thought it was going to be, um, I'm sure there would still be a lot of people who would buy it just to check it out, or people like you who would buy it just to add it to their collection. So... 
Um, certainly not a bad move on their part if they do end up doing that. Yeah, because you know, in some form or another, the original trilogy, and probably all six of them, are going to get re-released before Episode 7 comes out. You know that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm hoping that they release them all in theaters again. Um, that would be awesome, yeah. You know, even, I mean, they started re-releasing them all again in 3D, and then they stopped after Phantom Menace, but <laughs> even if they don't finish the 3D conversion and release them in 3D, just release them in 2D again, and I will pay to yep. go see all the Star Wars movies on the big screen again, especially in anticipation of you know Episode Seven leading up to that. Heck yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> I really wish they'd do that. Just do both, theater and home release. I'm one of the people you can call me a sucker, whatever. I'd pay for both of them, <laughs> both releases in the theater and on home video again. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that would definitely be cool to see. Um, also, uh, speaking of Blu rays, um, there have been some different sites uh, posting a uh, an upcoming release of The Clone Wars Season 6 on Blu ray, only in German. Um, and it's like we've been down this road before Again, because yeah. <laughs> Germany was the first place to get it on or the i think the only country to have it actually air on tv before the rest of us got it on netflix but again this is one of those things where if it's happening there it's probably going to happen here eventually and this is listed as a november 20th release date um and i i know a lot of people have been asking about this for months they're like oh you know i wish they would release this one on blu-ray or dvd and my prediction was i bet they'll do it you know around the holidays um and so I don't know if it'll be coming out November 20th for the rest of the world too, or, you know, maybe it'll come out a little bit later, but I'm sure, you know, again, if they release this on Blu-ray for the rest of us right around Christmas time, they're going to make a bunch of money and they know that. So I'm sure this will happen. Yeah. It's just one of those things again, where you has got to be a little more patient. <laughs> it's exactly like you said, the last thing or the same thing that happened when the lost missions first started in Germany is like, ah, they're getting it first, but, we want to see it now too. <laughs> kind of the same way with the Blu-ray. Cause yeah, I've really been clamoring for the Blu-ray release for season six uh, since the, after I right when I saw them on Netflix. It's like, yeah, next thing now, just wait for them to come on Blu-ray. So hopefully this is just the first step to them coming out over here because yeah, I'll be pre-ordering it <laughs> or day one purchase when those first get announced. Cause I can't wait to see those on Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, I would be shocked if it doesn't come over here in some way, shape or form. Yeah. <laughs> Or they'll just, they'll just release it on DVD and not Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So now we're down to our last two stories, which, like I said, we, we could end up talking about for quite a while. But we'll see. Um, first of all, we've got a rumored, you know, sort of unofficial, unconfirmed, but definitely legit-sounding description for the new um, Quinlan Voss, Asajj Ventress, Clone Wars novel that's uh, supposed to come out next summer. Um, and again, you know, this is a, a novel that was just announced at Comic-Con and it's going to be based off of more um, unfinished Clone Wars stories that I think we're going to be supposed, there's supposed to be episodes in season seven. Um, but here's the description for it. It says, the last story never told in the Clone Wars television saga, a tale of trust, uh, yeah, a tale of trust, betrayal, love, and evil, starring the hugely popular ex-Sith slash Jedi never female, slash Jedi never, I think, female bounty hunter Asajj Ventress. Um, a tale written but never aired, now turned into a brand new novel by with the creative collaboration of the Lucasfilm Story Group and Dave Filoni, executive producer and director of Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. We know that part. Here's the good stuff. 
When the Jedi decide to target Darth Tyrannus, Count Dooku himself, they turn to his ex-apprentice, Asajj Ventress, for help in getting close to the slippery Sith Lord. But, with, but when unexpected sparks fly in between Ventress and Quinlan Voss, the unorthodox Jedi sent to work with her, the mission becomes a web of betrayal, alliances, secrets, and dark plotting, which might also just be the undoing of both Jedi and Sith and everything in between. Um, and when I read this, I was like, oh, please be true. <laughs> um, this is from a website called Jedi Bibliotech, um, and I think this is a, a German site that's like a Star Wars book collecting site or something like that. But they've got a page for this book, and you know it's all in German except this description they have in English. So, um, yeah, I was like, man, this sounds really cool, especially because I mean, if for anyone out there who's read the uh, the Clone Wars Dark Horse comics that came out back in between episodes two and three, there was this whole long story arc involving Quinlan Boss, and he was undercover as an agent of Dooku. Um, and, I mean, that's sort of how that character got to be so popular was because of those Clone Wars comics. And so it seems like they're sort of going with their own spin on that storyline where he is going to be, you know, maybe going undercover or something and getting close to working with Dooku, especially because in some of the concept art that Dave Filoni posted on his Facebook page... Um, you see Quinlan Voss like with a red lightsaber and he was in some images with Count Dooku and Darth Maul. And I was like, this all looks really cool. Um, but I really like the idea too, of them incorporating Ventress into that story. And especially now that she's not working for Dooku anymore and she's sort of off on her own as a bounty hunter. And we've seen her work with Obi-Wan before and work with Ahsoka and sort of be, somewhat trustworthy i mean you could tell like obi-wan and ahsoka and those guys like never still completely trusted her because of what she'd done in the past but it's like okay suddenly ventress isn't so evil anymore and you know she's actually helping obi-wan fight darth maul or whatever the case may be so to see that the jedi council is gonna turn to her and be like hey you know this dooku guy we need to get close to him we're gonna you know recruit you and have us uh you know, have you, have you help us out in trying to get to him and then to pair her up with Quinlan Voss and have, you know, the two of them trying to get close to Dooku and see whatever happens there. I mean, that sounds really cool. Um, and then of course, you know, they mentioned that there's going to be possibly some romance in here. And I'm like, I never imagined that this show would, uh, you know, that we, we'd see like a love interest or Ventress and that it would be a Jedi, but if it's going to be a Jedi, like what other Jedi would it be than the unorthodox Quinlan boss. Um, so yeah, I am really excited for this now. And like I said, you know, this isn't from like an official Lucasfilm or Del Rey page or anything like that. So not officially confirmed, but at the same time, I mean, this sounds like something you could definitely see as like an episode description for a Clone Wars episode or, or a novel description or something like that. So, um, you know, maybe this is an official description that was written and, somehow leaked and i mean germany gets everything before we do nowadays so i don't know maybe the german publisher got into it <laughs> when it comes to clone wars it seems um, like that's the case <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know but i mean it definitely you know take it with a grain of salt for now but a, a small one um you know out, out of all the rumors we've talked about and uh you know analyzed on this show it's like this is definitely one that i would put stock in um, just because from that description, it's, I mean, it, it could be something really well written by a fan, but to me, this just sounds like something that totally I could see happening in this story and, you know, see this being, um, the actual sort of plot description for it. Maybe I'm just getting too excited and hoping this is the plot because it sounds <laughs> so exciting, but, um, 
you know, I, I think it's definitely uh, sounds interesting, sounds exciting, and sounds like it's definitely plausible at least. Yeah, I agree with you. I think pretty much this is probably what the plot of the story is going to be. And like you, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good one. I like the whole idea of the Jedi trying to get close to the Dooku and finally catch him and use Ventress. And she's been so close for him for so many uh, battles throughout the Clone Wars. So it makes sense for them to try to get Ventress to help them. And like you said, pairing her up with Quill and Boss <laughs> is going to be great to read about. And I just wonder if they're going to go into why they wouldn't use Obi-Wan and Anakin to kind of get her to do that because they've had so many interactions with her. Maybe that's why they want to use a different Jedi to kind of just have her show Ventress that it's, they're, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say why they're going to do Quinlan Voss to kind of like team up with her or whatever, because like I said, they've been Obi-Wan and Anakin over and over again in the Clone Wars. So I'm just curious to see what the reasoning is going to be behind it. Maybe Anakin and Obi-Wan don't want to. They don't trust her, and that what makes them use Clone and Boss. So either way, it's going to be interesting to find out how it's all going to be tied together and just what the outcome is going to be with this. Because, you know, uh, Dooku's going to survive. <laughs> They're not going to catch him in this novel, but just to see what happens between Clone and Boss and Assad's ventures. And if they even survive this story, it can go either way, really. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting to read it once it comes out. And like you said, this description makes it even sound more it's more enticing than get you excited for it so yeah hopefully it is true i like you i'm pretty sure it is and it's just gonna make the wait for summer 2015 just a little bit longer <laughs> right yeah i'm like oh why do i have to wait a year to read this but yeah. <laughs> i mean also as for what you were saying about um you know anakin and obi-wan and why wouldn't they be involved with this um i i think i mean if this is what they're going for here with sort of doing their own adaptation of the whole quinlan voss comic where he goes undercover and is basically working for Dooku as a dark Jedi. Yeah. Um, obviously Anakin and Obi-Wan couldn't pull that off. Like Dooku knows them too well. And if Anakin came to Dooku and said, you know, Hey, I've had enough with the Jedi order and I want to come work for you now. Like I'm pretty sure Dooku would smell a rat right away. Um, he'd be like, you know, something's up with this. Um, because, you know, even if Anakin did turn to the dark side, it's like Dooku knows how much, the two of them, you know, hate each other and have had, you know, past confrontations and stuff. So it's like if Anakin turned to the dark side, he wouldn't turn himself into Dooku. He would just go kill Dooku and take his place, which is exactly what happens in episode three. But, um, I mean, maybe in this story, we'll see the Jedi Council use Anakin and Obi-Wan first just to sort of get close to Ventress in the first place and maybe recruit her. Um, in fact, I could definitely see them using at least Obi-Wan um, if not Anakin and Obi-Wan both to, you know, to sort of find her in the first place and say, hey, you know, I know we've fought in the past, but the Jedi Council has an offer for you and we're not going to try to, you know, kill you or capture you or anything like that. Like, we need your expertise to help uh, take down Dooku and we know you're going to help us because you want revenge on Dooku. So, you know, we could maybe see Obi-Wan being the negotiator in that capacity. And then once they bring her on board, it's, you know, Quinlan Boss that she's actually carrying out the mission with. That's true. I just personally think don't think they're gonna go with the whole Quinlan Voss being like a like a double agent type thing, pretending he's dark. Dooku's new apprentice are joining the dark side. I just have a feeling that he's gonna be used to get close to Ventress, and them two are gonna kind of sneak into wherever Dooku's hiding or try to find him and all that. I mean, because yeah, I think it'd be probably too much to put in there as far as Quinlan Voss pretending to go to the dark side, but then he actually slips a little bit. But then you got what's going on with Ventress. So well, I'll be surprised if they go that route. It's just going to be, like I said, interesting to see if they even 
bother to explain why Obi-Wan and Anakin aren't involved with it. And they could just have it start off where it's Quinlan Boss. Maybe it's Quinlan Boss's idea to get Ventress. <laughs> and maybe the Jedi Council don't agree with it, but he feels strongly about it. I mean, who knows? So many different uh, stuff we can guess about until we actually read it. But yeah, yeah possibly. <laughs> but you know, I'm excited I, to finally find out. I could still see them going with that that whole undercover storyline, though. I mean, just based on the concept art that Dave Filoni showed us, where he has a red lightsaber and you know he's fighting um, Count Dooku or not Count Dooku, Darth Maul. But then also in this description, they're talking about um, you know betrayal and revenge and all this kind of stuff. And it looks like, I mean, from the cover, it looks like a, a fight between. Um, Ventress and Quinlan Voss. I mean, just from the cover art for the novel, it's like they've both got their lightsabers ignited and facing each other. Yeah, I think and that's so going to be I the could, final battle of the book. <laughs> right. And well, you know what I think is going to happen, though, is maybe Ventress is going to help Voss get close to Dooku. He's going to, you know, say he's turned to the dark side or had enough of the Jedi or whatever um, and wants to, you know, be one of Dooku's agents. And then maybe, you know, Dooku puts him through the series of tests or whatever to prove his loyalty. And then his final test is Dooku's like, okay, you know, you're, you're a former Jedi, you're strong in the force, you're good with a lightsaber. Um, go kill my former apprentice, Asajj Ventress, because she's still out there doing her thing. And we tried to kill her before and, you know, you know she's still out there. So um, that's what I want you to do. And so then this could be, you know, sort of their final confrontation. And it's like, this is what they planned for the whole time, but then it sort of blew up in their face and they weren't expecting that he was going to have to try to kill her to accomplish the mission that she's helping him do in the first place. So I think that could be a pretty cool twist, but that's just my, uh, you know, sort of my prediction for it, I guess. And, uh, you know, I'll see how close I am to being right when we actually read the book. And I'm sure whether I'm dead on or completely wrong and it's something totally different, either way, I'm going to love it because this sounds really cool and really interesting. Yeah, unfortunately, though, I mean, it was cool seeing those uh, concept art images that Dave Filoni put out, but there's that one image that sticks out to you when you're talking about the storyline with Voss carrying that body that looks like Ventress. It's like, it just kind of gives you the feeling that it's given away the ending right there as far as what happens to Ventress. I mean, we'll find out, but... She we'll... could be unconscious. Maybe, yeah. But just, maybe, just... maybe he drugs her with, you know, one of those drugs that, like, slows your heart rate to one beat per minute or something and then brings <laughs> her body to Dooku and is like, hey, look, I killed her. It just has that feel of, like, this is the last shot of the episode. You see him walking with a body and then it fades into the end credit sequence of the of the Clone Wars. So, I don't know. I just got the feeling that's how the story's going to end. Well, we shall see. Yeah, so we'll see who's right and wrong in the summer of 2015. Yeah. And then um, and last sort of uh, thing to talk about for this episode, and it's more sort of uh, continuing on Clone Wars stories, um, just this past week, the final installment of the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comics came out. Um, and I know we've talked about at least a couple of these before on our show. I know we haven't done like full in-depth reviews of all of them. But seeing as how this is the last episode, or, you know, sort of the last installment of this story arc, I just thought we should, uh, you know, sort of talk about this for a bit and give our thoughts on just this last installment and the, the arc as a whole. So, Tim, what do you think of this one? Yeah, the last issue, it was pretty much what I was hoping for. And I guess we'll throw out the spoiler warning here, too, as far as what happens in case you haven't read it yet. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> I don't want to say this because it's so easy to say, but I'll just say it one last time. Man, these would have been awesome episodes and just an awesome arc <laughs> to see yeah. in the Clone Wars. Because it looks like it's uh, 
put put it into one uh, story thread here as far as Darth Maul and Mother Towson here. So um, I'll just say the things that I liked about it was Darth Maul. Then again, this is going to be spoiler stuff. So in case you haven't read it, <laughs> uh, Darth Maul he survived, which I'm happy about because. It just would have been the same to bring him back, and then he's gone after a few short stories. So there's still many more stories we can tell about Darth Maul in the future, whether it's comics, uh, Rebels even, or hopefully a standalone movie. I mean, the possibilities of Darth Maul are still out there, which is great. But at the same time, too, what I was hoping the story would deliver on was Palpatine dealing with Mother Talzin and this how she's going to interfere with his plans to <laughs> form the Empire and get rid of the Jedi. He had to deal with this somehow, and... This is what the story dealt with, and then the last issue, it finally came to fruition, where Darth Maul and Mother Talzin's plan was to capture Dooku so he, she can inhabit... Uh, they needed to sacrifice his body so to bring her back to the physical realm, which kind of uh, brought up something I didn't even realize, because I always thought, especially in the last few arcs that we got to see, where she was still in the physical realm, but then you know how she'd always disappear into the green mist. But apparently, her reviving Darth Maul... Uh, limited that capability where she was mainly in like the another realm and not in the physical realm with everyone else so sacrifice of down count duke was trying to bring her back but then that of course that lures darth sidious and grievous there and they have this attack or a cool battle which would have been cool to see on screen and then uh darth sidious pretty much deals with mother talzin and finally kills her and just the way it plays out i just love where they were pretty much having a force lightning battle or she wasn't using force lightning. She was using her magic, but he was using his force lightning. They were having like a lightning struggle there. And then Dooku comes into the help Sidious and he's pouring it on with the force lightning. And so she can't handle that. So she has to form a shield. So as she's dealing with that, in comes Grievous and he delivers the final blow to Talzin. And then she's, her physical body is gone. It's like, I knew that was something that had to be dealt with. And now it finally is. Sidious got rid of her. I liked how it all played out. I liked the fact that it was actually Grievous who delivers the final blow, where he kind of has that claim to fame now, where instead of just running away from battles, he could he dealt with a pretty big major character who would have uh, put a wrench into Palpatine's plans, that's for sure. So he dispatched of her, and then, like I said, Darth Maul's still out there, and everything just wrapped up that I was hoping with, and then kind of expecting to see with it, too. So I really loved it. It's a great arc from issue one to four. It would have made a Great four-part story arc to see in the episodes, but in the end, I'm just glad we got to experience this story overall and just find out what happens to these characters because it was a pretty big uh, like story thread that didn't get resolved, so I'm glad that it is. So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you 100% on that, um, especially, I mean, just the first thing you said about how these episodes would have been so cool to see on screen. I mean, I just from reading the comics, I can almost say without a doubt that this would have easily been my favorite four-part story arc of the entire series. Yeah, I very well um, I, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to imagine exactly how it would have gone on screen without, like, all the the animation and the lighting and the music and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. But, I mean, you know, just the, the show kept getting better and better from, like, the technical aspects and the animation and all that kind of stuff. Every season just got better and better. And so... I would say my favorite overall see, uh, story arc of the Clone Wars was the four-part Darth Maul arc from season five. Um, and it's like just looking at what happens in this episode and knowing how many big like battle scenes and stuff and everything are like in this, uh, in this four-part arc in the comic, it's like if this had all been on screen and, you know, just sort of assuming that the, the animation would have been as good as we know it could have been, that would have been 
just mind-blowing. I mean, we got so many big battles and lightsaber duels and everything in, in this four-part, uh, you know, over these four comic issues. And I was, like, messaging you the other night, and we were, I was sort of counting them out. Like, in the first episode, we've got a big battle between Mandalorians and battle droids, and then a lightsaber duel between Darth Maul and General Grievous. And then in the second episode, we've got another big battle between Mandalorians and battle droids, and uh, a sort of melee, I guess you could say, between Count Dooku and a whole bunch of the Knight Brothers, yeah. um, where they end up capturing Dooku. And then in the third episode, there's sort of a space battle between the the Mandalorian, their big like warship fighters that they have, and Republic forces as they're coming after him in this as- asteroid base. So there could have been a, a cool space battle there, although it would have been probably brief, knowing you know sort of the history of space battles on the show. But that would have been cool to see. And then there was the the sort of four-way lightsaber duel going on. Or I guess it was, you could call it six-way. It was like Darth Maul and Count Dooku team up to fight um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, Tip Lee, I think? Uh, the, the other Jedi twin yeah. sister that didn't get killed in the Order 66 arc. Um, and Ayla Sakura and Mace Windu. Um, with clones fighting Mandalorians in the background. And meanwhile, General Grievous is down on the deck below, like, beating the crap out of Mandalorians so he can escape. Um, and then in this final episode, it's just, like, battles the whole time. I mean, you've got Darth Maul and... Well, I think they they first, like, they bring Count Dooku to Mother Talzin and she possesses him so she can try to, like, draw out his energy to bring herself back. So they have Darth Maul fighting General Grievous while Darth Sidious fights a possessed Count Dooku. <laughs> then, that image right there, yeah, Dooku versus Sidious. Like, imagine seeing that in, like, a season, uh, like, six trailer that, like, they showed at the Star Wars Celebration or right? Comic Con or something. That would be, like, a big shot that i'm sure would have got a lot of cheers seeing dooku and sidious fight yeah and then um and like i said having that happen while dooku is fighting Gre- or while maul is fighting grievous and then mother talzin comes out of dooku's body and you have um you know yeah like you were talking about the the sort of force power battle between um Dooku and or between Palpatine and Mother Talzin and then um yeah Darth Maul goes over to sort of let Mother Talzin draw from his strength while Count Dooku is like blasting additional lightning at them and then Grievous comes through the middle and stabs Mother Talzin and Maul gets away and then it sort of reveals this huge battle on uh on Dathomir that they keep talking about through the episode and then we never really saw in the comic until that last frame as Maul is leaving and you you sort of see his fighter escaping over just like this huge wave of battle droids that seems like they're wiping out everybody on Dathomir. Um, and even though, I mean, it's hard to say how they would have actually framed this in the episode and how this would have looked, That just that last shot sort of reminded me of the Deceive trailer from the Old Republic. Hmm. The one where, you know, all the Sith come and attack yeah. the Jedi Temple and then there's that big duel between... Uh, the Sith Lord Darth Malgus and that one Jedi Master, and then um, it's like Malgus stabs the Jedi, and then he sort of like falls to his knees, and he's looking out over Coruscant, and it's sort of like as he falls, um, he sort of like falls out of the frame, and that reveals this whole image of Coruscant just burning and Sith fighters flying over and you know destroying everything. And I remember watching that trailer, my jaw just sort of dropped for the first <laughs> time because 
I was like, man, this is an awesome lightsaber battle, but I was not at all expecting, you know, to see that much destruction going on. And so I think this, you know, this sort of reminded me of that in a way. And I was like, man, we would have just seen, you know, the conclusion of this epic duel and Maul gets away. And then we're like, holy crap, these battle droids are wiping out all the rest of the, you know, the Night Sisters and the Night Brothers and everybody out here on Dathomir. So, um, and at the same time, I mean, yeah, Maul gets away. And so it's still not the conclusion of his character, but it is sort of the conclusion of the whole storyline involving him and Mother Talzin and Savage and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, who knows if we'll still get any more stories about Darth Maul in the future. Um, like I said before, talking about the the novel with uh, Ventress and Quinlan Boss, like we did see that concept art from Dave Filoni where it looked like Quinlan Boss was having a lightsaber duel with Darth Maul. And so now that we know... Um, that he's still alive. He could make an appearance in that book as well, which would also be really cool to see. Um, so yeah, still leaves the possibility open for some some cool stories in the future. Um, but at the same time, yeah, what we really wanted to see was how is Dooku going to, or how is Sidious going to deal with Mother Talzin and these Night Sisters and the idea that there are other powerful Force users out there. Well, he's going to go and get his hands dirty and kill them himself. Um and another thing I liked about this was that it was a good story arc for Grievous because we actually got to see yep. him in action doing some cool stuff. Like you said, he was the one that actually killed, you know, dealt the killing blow to Mother Talzin. But also you see um, sort of him and uh, – oh, this was cool. Seeing <laughs> Palpatine and Grievous traveling together in what looked like Darth Maul's Sith Interceptor from Star Wars Episode One. I don't know if it was the same exact ship or if it was, you know, another one – you know, that was sort of built in the same model, I guess. Um, you know, like a, a different version of like that same kind of ship. But um, seeing the two of them just travel to Dathomir together, it's like, okay, well, Grievous isn't exactly this, you know, lowly peon who is just like, oh, we're going to leave him over here in charge of the battle droids and let him, you know, keep running away from the Jedi while Palpatine and Dooku and all these guys come do all the big important stuff over here. It's like just seeing you know, Grievous sort of sitting at Darth Sidious's right hand as they're going together to sort of wipe out this menace. Um, on the one hand, it's like that's all Sidious had left to turn to because Dooku was captured. But at the same time, it's like Grievous is capable and Sidious still trusts him to get some stuff done. Um, so I, I think had we seen this as part of the part of the series, I think it would have redeemed General Grievous in a lot of people's eyes because, um, you know, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that feels like he sort of got the short end of the stick as far as character development in the series go and it sort of made him seem you know even more weak and cowardly sometimes but this was a good story arc for him um as well as you know maul and dooku and everybody else was yeah you know, it was just so awesome um and yeah like i said on the one hand it would have been even more awesome to get to to see these episodes on screen and it's a shame we didn't but on the other hand i'm glad that these stories didn't remain locked away in a vault forever um, and that we actually did get to see them and we could see somewhat of the visuals just, you know, through the art of the comic and, uh, you know, get to at least envision what this would have looked like on screen and sort of get the conclusion of this storyline. So awesome stuff. Yeah, definitely. I just got to ask you this, though, because if, in my eyes, I think this is it for Mother Talzin. She's dead. But I saw reading on Twitter in certain places, there's the image you see the green mist fly out so people say oh she could still be alive that's just her body her physical form that got killed but her essence and spirit still out there where do you stand on it you think that's it for mother talzin or i think i think that's it yeah um especially this late in the game for clone wars like 
if the show went on another four or five seasons, maybe they could have decided that some remnant of her spirit was still out there. But at this point, when they're just trying to sort of wrap up loose ends and get the remaining stories out there, I don't think we're going to see any more of Mother Talzin. I think she's done. Um, and one other thing I was going to mention about that when you talked about sort of this whole idea that her using so much power was like slowly um, sort of draining her her body, her spirit, whatever sort of um, essentially she was losing herself, you know, because of all this magic power. She was just sort of disappearing and fading away. Um, and obviously, yeah, we've seen her disappear into like those green clouds of mist before. But one thing I noticed in the disappeared episodes, you know, the disappeared part one and two from the lost missions, um, there was an a sort of a, a little visual effect on her that I didn't notice before in any of the episodes that she was in, where it seems like just little, you know, occasionally when she's on screen, little either pieces of her body or edges of her clothing or something will occasionally sort of turn a little bit more transparent. I mean, it almost does look like little pieces of her are starting to fade. And I thought at the time, I mean, when I first saw those episodes, I just thought, oh, that's a cool little interesting visual effect for, you know, this witch that can appear and disappear and turn into mist and materialize and stuff. It would be cool that, you know, she's sort of ethereal and magical like this and that, you know, you'd see parts of her sort of appearing and disappearing. But, I mean, now that we got this story, I was like, oh... They probably did that on purpose to set this up and make it look like, yeah, she actually is fading away a little bit. Um, and so on the one hand, I thought that was almost a little bit of a, a weird thing to introduce suddenly in this story arc. I'm like, it, it may have made more sense if they had set that up, you know, way back when we first saw her. And so we knew, um, you know, through her doing all this magic and transforming Savage and bringing Maul back and all this stuff, you know, knowing that that was going to take a toll on her. And then at the same time, I also think it's cool that the way that they, like with the way that they did it, how um, it's like, okay, so we don't know it until now, but then looking back on everything that she's done up to that point, it actually does sort of make sense. Um, and it doesn't really feel like something that, that they just sort of made up and tacked on at the last second. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually see how, you know, maybe they planned that all along. Maybe they made it up at the end and it just happened to fit with everything they were doing all along. But I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, either way, it worked. <laughs> and yeah. another thing I liked, too, was kind of how it explained the relationship that Sidious and Mother Talzin had, how it's pretty much they're both looking for ways to gain more power. Palpatine was looking for another way besides the dark side, see if any, like, this Night Sister magic type stuff would help him. Apparently, I guess he didn't see it was very useful, so instead of adapting their power, he just took her son and Darth Maul and made him his apprentice. So I just like how it explained that and how just... Sidious is looking for any way to gain the advantage, look for more power to help his plans. And even though in the end, uh, he got Darth Maul out of it, and he didn't pretty much use any of, I guess, the Night Sister magics or whatever, at least as which has been revealed to us so far in these stories. But in the end, he still didn't let that interfere or interfere with uh, his plan to form the Empire, take down the Jedi and all that. I just love how Palpatine is just the master planner, the master manipulator, just whatever you want to call him, that everything proceeds as he foresees it, except at the end of Return of the Jedi, but <laughs> in this yeah. period of time, everything went according to how it should be. I just love that about him, where he just he's just so sure of himself, he's not going to let anything come in his way from having his plan succeed. So, yeah, just a great showcasing of Darth Sidious, I thought, too. Yeah, and I mean, this whole storyline, you know, from Mother Talzin all the way to, you know, Maul and the Death Watch and all that kind of stuff in Season 5, it's like, even though we only saw Sidious a couple of times in this story arc, it almost feels like 
this was sort of his story arc. Yeah, because because we don't see a whole lot of the Clone War going on during this period. I mean, the whole show is focused on you know this war between the Jedi and the Republic and the Separatists. And yet in these whole series of episodes, you know, over like the three or four story arcs or whatever that we see over the course of the series and then this comic and everything, it's like you don't see a lot of clone troopers, you don't see a whole lot of battle droids, and it really is focused on, I mean, there are some episodes where it's like just the villains, and it's not, you know, Obi-Wan fighting Darth Maul, although that does come into it, but I mean, all the biggest moments aren't Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul, it's like Darth Sidious versus Darth Maul and stuff like that, and so... I think it's cool that they sort of explored this idea of, yeah, the wars going on and the the Jedi have their own battles to face and the Separatists have their own battles to face, but Darth Sidious is just sort of sitting at the head of it all, just, you know, watching it play out and letting it unfold, and he's masterminding both sides, and he's got it pretty good. Um, You know, I'm sure it couldn't have been easy running a whole war effort, but at the same time, you know, I, I think it's cool that they sort of delved a little bit deeper into like, okay, what if things weren't always as easy for Darth Sidious? What if it wasn't just manipulating politicians and, you know, getting the Jedi to do what he wanted and, uh, you know, bullying the Separatists around? Like, what if he actually had his own credible threat that he had to face on his own and, like, the Jedi didn't even know about it? And so then you get this whole storyline with Darth Maul coming back to life and these Night Sister witches and dark magic and all this kind of stuff that we don't really see the Jedi or the Separatists get involved with it a whole lot over the course of the story. Really, at the end of the day, it's Darth Sidious who comes and deals with this thing himself. Um, And, you know, he's like, I'm the ultimate power in this galaxy, and I'm not going to let, you know, some reborn apprentice of mine or, uh, you know, this big powerful witch or anybody like that, I'm not going to try to let them, uh, you know, tread on my plans for taking over the galaxy. Like, I'm in control here and I'm going to keep it that way. So it was cool to see him actually like get his hands dirty and go, uh, you know, go deal with some stuff that actually, you know, could have possibly, you know, upset his plans a little bit. Had he not dealt with it. Yeah. It's like, it's great to see him like showcase them that way. Just such a great arc on. So like on the different characters, got the spotlight and had their moments to shine in this whole story arc like Darth Maul, Grievous, like you said, and especially Darth Sidious. So it's just pretty much a win-win all around <laughs> for yeah, us as fans, really. Um, yeah, so um, I just thought that would be a cool thing to wrap up the episode with, just talking about that. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed reading those comics over yeah, the last great. month or so. And even though, you know, that seems like it's the last Clone Wars material we're going to get for a good long while, at least, you know, we do have that novel coming out next summer. And, uh, you know, hopefully more stories beyond that. So um, that's been, you know, fun to read and fun to talk about. Um, if you guys want to hear us talking more Clone Wars, we were both on recently on the actually finale episode of Frontlines of the Clone Wars podcast over there with Mike and Matt. Um, and I'm not sure if Mike has uploaded the audio of that yet as a separate podcast, but you can find the YouTube video of it. Um, you know, we did a, a live Google chat on YouTube and I know uh, a few people tuned in. I'm not sure if it was any of our listeners, but um, if it was any of you guys, thanks for tuning in um, to that. We had a lot of fun, you know, talking Clone Wars with those guys. And we just talked about like some of our favorite episodes and our thoughts on season six and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you want to hear more Clone Wars discussion from us, you guys can go check that out. Um, and that's going to be it for us uh, for this week. Thank you guys for tuning into this show. Um, as always, you can uh, get in touch with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. 
twitter.com at uh yeah at star wars tsc on twitter um and then on our own website star wars tsc.com um that's where you can find all these news stories and things that uh you know we post on there as soon as we find out about it and then you know come on here to record an episode and talk for two hours about all these rumors and new rebels trailers and clone wars books and all that good stuff um, and then if you guys want to send us email, if you've got questions, comments, thoughts regarding the show, regarding Star Wars, you know, any of that kind of stuff, we love hearing, uh, you know, Star Wars thoughts that you guys have and want to talk to us about. So, um, you can contact us through those social media st- uh, sites, or you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and I think that's it, Tim, we got anything else before we wrap up? No, that's it. Okay, like cool. I said, we'll be um, counting down till October 3rd. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, definitely. And of course, we'll be back with more episodes before then because I'm sure we'll have uh, lots more Star Wars Episode 7 rumors and all that other kind of stuff, uh, you know, between now and October. So, um, yep. also, if you guys haven't checked out my Star Wars fan film yet, that's online. Uh, it's on YouTube, Star Wars Dark Heart. Go check it out. I'm guessing some of you may have already because the day after our last episode went up, my view count on youtube jumped up by like 100 or something like that so um yeah i'm i'm pretty happy about that i've got a decent amount of views on it so far and uh some pretty positive feedback so um if you'd like to check that out that's up there uh star wars dark heart on youtube and uh that's going to be it for us thank you guys for tuning in we will see you next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody Uh